Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpete. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, episode number 3.32, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. It's Thursday night. It's 9.30 p.m. It's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk slash podcast, backslash, double space, www.ohmygod.com. It's sports time and stuff. Wow. What? happens when I try to do an intro. I've had a lot of coffee, guys. A lot of coffee. Let's uh let's get right to this episode 3.32 because there is a ton to talk about. There's the Jets and Wayne Hunter and uh the Tim Tebow bus and the Mark Sanchez bus. Let's talk about that. And then I I got to talk to Cal about the Mets because we had an uh, a breakdown of epic proportions, a rant uh for the ages. Uh, out of uh, uh, Mike Francesa today here in New York. The Mets have completely fallen apart. The wheels are off the wagon. The wheels are no longer in motion, Babu. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Giants. And it's not hazing. It's teasing. It's poking fun. It's not hazing. They don't haze. They're the Giants. They're the classy organization. It's not hazing. It's a child prank. It's the boys will be boys. So we're going to talk about that. And then PJ with the dentist. I mean, PJ with the dentist. That's all I have to say. So uh, let's get to it, shall we? Let's bring in uh, the co-host of the of the radio type program, Kel. That's his name. Don't wear it out. Hickey from Kinicky's like a Hallmark card. Cal Neva Calpino Caliente. Brian Calvi. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Hi, Brian. Hello, Steve. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, not much. Not much. Just hanging out, talking a little sports. You know. Nice. Thursday night. Thursday night, nice. You know what, what we do? <laughs> you know what, PJ and I were just... Uh... Oh, I, I have two things for you before we get to this. Before we bring in PJ. You're already going off track? I'm already, I'm already going off track. I have to... No, I... I uh... You ever have a, a situation where you have a line that you're just really happy with, so you have to use it all the time? Of course. Like to describe a situation, like here's the, the right now, uh, Wesley is uh, suffering from, not suffering from, he has separation anxiety, right? So putting him to sleep at night has been just unbelievable. I mean, just, he's been a good sleeper for a long time. Hey, look, nobody wants to hear you talk about your kids, but there's a really good line here 
<laughs> that I've been using for four or five days. And that is literally the screams coming from the bedroom are so guttural. Like it's like it's unbelievable. So I said off the cuff a couple of days ago, I said I half expect to walk in there and see Elmo waterboarding him. Like that's how bad the screams are that are coming from his his bedroom when we try to put him down to sleep. Yikes! Callum in love with the line. That's a good line. It's a good. And then I you I I followed it up, but, but I've been saying it too much now. Now it's gotta, now it's gotta go. It's descriptive. I'll give you that. It is. And it's a little, you get a chuckle. You can sort of picture Elmo in there, like walking back and forth by the crib. You know, tell me what you know. Like that sort of thing. Right. And I said, I, you know, like I pictured Mickey Mouse with like a hood on and a stockade. Like these are plaintive screams we're hearing. With a 20-month-old. Yeah. Good times. Okay. It's, it's been awesome. It's yeah. re- It's uh, retro week. He's he's like pretending he's a newborn, but he has words. So it's you know, mama and dada, and why have you forsaken me? And I will have my revenge on you someday for this unjust bedtime. He's very biblical, like that too. He's right? got, he's gotten, yeah, he's gotten very. He somehow sounds like Charlton Heston too. I don't know how he's doing that. Is he wearing a robe? He is wearing a robe <laughs> with a staff. Let my people go. Let me out of this crib. No, actually, uh, it'd be better if he was, uh, uh, what do you call it, Kirk Douglas. Right. <laughs> so I'm in a crib 20,000 leagues under the sea. You should have known something was up when he started growing that beard. That's right. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> that was foreshadowing. Mama, Dada, let me out of this crib. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. How's your week? Uh, no. no good? Uh, not like that. Not, well, not, we haven't had that going on, that's for sure. Yeah. I've been there, though. Been there, done that. Oh, we all Seen have. that movie, got the t-shirt, got the DVD. <laughs> you have the director's cut? I downloaded it. Right. Did you, <laughs> do you have the director's cut? Do you have the, uh... Oh, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. Part it's two? Some- I have the director's cut, but it's from a first-person point of view. Oh, nice. Which is really authentic. That's, is that the one with Allison's commentary? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of... Lot of uh, it's it's dual... Con- you, you have two choices. You can select her commentary or my commentary. <laughs> right. Yours is just one long beep, though. Right. Like, yours sounds like Goodfellas on WPIX. We kind of... Like the Breakfast Club. That's right. Flip you. <laughs> Will you go to bed? Boot, kids. Boot. How am I funny? Boot. At one point, the camera shakes violently and then falls on its side. <laughs> and you just see little feet running away. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a combination of like Blair Witch Project and... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> like a Stanley Kubrick... Uh... Yeah, it's very it's very Kubrickian. A little bit. Speaking of Stanley Kubrick, let's uh, let's bring in the third man in. The uh, the third guy at the party, Cal. But we never make him feel like that. No, he's never the third wheel. No, he is the guy who like you're having dinner with a buddy, and then he comes in and like 
hey, you guys, mind if I sit down and order some hors d'oeuvres? Like, order, like, mozzarella. We should get mozzarella sticks, right, guys? Like, he gets mozzarella sticks for the table. But he doesn't ask if he can order. He just sits down and orders. Just sits down and, like, we're getting... We're, <laughs> we're getting garamad, right? We're getting it. You guys were going to get that anyway, right? Uh, it was me and my three droogs. <laughs> me and my me three... being Alex, Pete, and Tim, <laughs> who was really dim. Uh, hi, Peach. I'm being Kubrickian for you. Yes, I know. Uh, what's going on, man? We understand that uh, we're going to talk about the sports and stuff. And you texted me the other day that you don't have WPIX anymore? Cablevision is my provider, and they... They did a, a, an up and down. It was a, there's a good news and there's a bad news day. Uh, turn on the TV and there was a notification saying, "Congratulations, you have the NFL Network." So Which, I did cartwheel for about ten minutes. Yeah. By the way, I've that never is, had. That's by the way, not, how much do I look like Rush Limbaugh right now in the webcam? I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners at home, but come on, do I look not look like Rush right now? I don't understand this. We do, uh... People, there's a liberal conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) And now you sound like him. Great. Thank you. Let me just get my papers. Mr. Schnurdly told me this morning that I would die of a massive coronary. (laughs) So, yeah, so I got the NFL Network. (laughs) Wait, just hold on a second. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I going too fast? We're what doing happened? right here, Vince Scully, okay? Just slow down for a second, okay? We got to describe what happened. We do, uh, and we got to take a, I'm taking a picture of this right now with my iPhone, so people, <laughs> and I'm going to put it up on the, uh, but we do a video chat over Uvu, so we can see each other, and, uh, and, and right now, here, I'm taking the picture. You can capture it on Uvu, I believe, of my, uh, my spell. That's, good that's too technical. My yeah, balding no, head and the light awesome. shining off the top. If you had all you need right now, Peach, is a microphone hanging down with the you know the R L or whatever uh, symbol, dopey symbol that he has, and you would EIB, the Excellence in Broadcasting Network, my friends. Well, <laughs> you also need a ton of vitriol, ton of vitriol. Well, I don't have that. You know that. Yeah, I don't know if you're capable of that. We're going to talk about a radio guy with some vitriol in a couple of minutes in the big unload because. Holy cow, Mike Francesa. Holy cow. But, okay, uh, so long story short, I don't have WPIX. They, apparently, WPIX filed for some form of bankruptcy uh, a while back and couldn't reach uh, a deal with Cablevision, so Cablevision replaced them with the Style Network. I'm watching shows about underpants. Which is <laughs> which is tragic, too, because we grew up with WPIX, Channel 11. First of all, you had the Picks game. You remember that, Cal? Sure. Pick. With the picks, 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 picks. 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 Like Missile Command by voice. Yep. Right. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, they had a sort of like a game show on WPIX Channel 11 here in New York, which was a lo- is a local station where it was what like Activision maybe or something or maybe Atari. It, it couldn't have been Act. It had to be Atari. Yeah. It was. It, was a, it, was it looked like an Atari screen. There was Missile Command. There was there was Tic Tac Toe. And there was football. And there was football. Right. The football was consisted of the quarterback just moving up and down the screen and trying to hit a receiver in – hit a receiver. Trying to throw the little pong ball 
at another figure that was going up and down in the end zone. Right, and, and, you, and you would you would trigger it by saying the call letters. Right. Picks. So every time you said picks, he would throw the football and you would win. Oh, man, picks, picks. You know, you know that that was some sweaty intern's job. He had to stand there with the joystick. <laughs> and, he, you know, they, they found the kid with the best reflexes. Now, when you right. hear the other guy say picks, you have to hit the red button. Right. You would always get that one really obnoxious kid who would call up and go, picks, 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 picks. And that sweaty intern wanted to beat the living crap out of him. Yeah, you notice those kids lost very quickly, though. That's right. <laughs> Cut him off. Um, so you got the NFL Network, but you lost the Mets. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. You gained <laughs> big time. If you What's put those, <laughs> if you put like, those, remember the WPIX editorials. What's your opinion? What's We'd your like opinion? We'd like to know. Right into WPIX. The Mets are terrible right now. Yes. Um. Yeah, you you won in that one, big time. I'm a winner. I would, I would take the NFL Network over uh, watching this horrible Mets team. Deplorable. Right. Which brings right. us to the big unload. It, it brings us right to it, Brian. You're awfully quiet over there, Brian. You're making me very nervous. It's very difficult to get a word in edgewise with the two of you pixing each other. Here we go. There, <laughs> there it oh, is. Boy. Oh, boy. You know, this has been bubbling for weeks. It has been. It's right on the surface. We go, you know what? You know what? He looks a little bit like Sean Hannity, doesn't he? He <laughs> What's going on? You're a great American. No, you are. You're a great American. No, 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 no. You are, sir. No, wow. ditto to you, sir. You guys have just, you guys have just perfectly recreated a nightmare scenario for me. That I'm, <laughs> I'm suddenly doing a radio show with Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity. Ah. This is. I actually had a nightmare about this one. Wow. Uh, time for the big unload, Cal. Uh, Cal, you gonna be okay to do the big unload or? I think I might be. You can put it together a little bit? I think you're going to do the big unload. No, no. No, no. We're going to... Are you, what are you drinking? Tea? Yeah, that's bit. tea. Nice. A little bit. Nice. Looks like beer from here. It does look like beer from here. Oh, it's not. It actually looks like cider, in which case I was really, really going to let you have it. Sorry. You're drinking like a woodpecker? Like a hard cider? Nothing hard about this. Yeah. Um, Serious business right now. I can't be... Uh, I need to I need to be of all my faculties for this one. Right. Uh, by the way, I love cider. Don't know why I just uh, completely threw cider under the bus. I love cider. What's wrong with a, what's wrong with a nice cider? Tonight's episode you know, brought to you by cider. <laughs> it's apples hey. smushed real hard. Cider. <laughs> hey, Steve, can I tell you something? Please. If you're a fan of cider, you might as well just go jump off a roof. I, I, You must be so frustrated if you're a fan of cider. I would jump off a roof. Of course, we're referring to uh, Mike Francesa here in New York, who after the Met game today, the Mets losing one nothing to the uh, woeful Colorado Rockies, uh, dropping four straight, six uh, overall, uh, 14 of 16 at home, uh, they're 11 games under 500. That's the lowest they've been since, what, 2009? Nine. Nine? 2009. 
Um, the wheels have completely come off the wagon. They're not playing good baseball. And after the game today, uh, Mike Francesa uh, was on, uh, finishing up his show, and completely blew a gasket. Like, to the to the point that uh, the YouTube video of it is making the rounds, we as Met fans and also Francesa fans were immediately alerted to it. Bill Simmons, the sports guy, got a hold of it and retweeted it. Yeah. Um, so th- we got to talk about this in the big unload because, <sighs> okay, the, here, here's the long and the short of it to me, Bri. I don't necessarily have a problem with what Mike Francesa was saying. He's not wrong on all accounts. He's wrong on a lot of them. But a lot of accounts, he was absolutely right. He was spot on. They are a mess. They are a disaster. They are all those uh, fantastic Francesa-isms, a disaster. They're a disgrace. They should jump off a roof. You know, if if I was Terry Collins, I would be so frustrated I would jump off a roof. That's what he said. And the fans would too. Okay? Not the best choice of words, by the way, for Mr. Francesa today. Uh, but I, I have never – so that's fine. You can do that. I Here's what I don't understand, Brian. He's a he's a Yankee fan. Okay, why right. do, why I have I've been listening to this guy for 20 years. I have never heard this level ever. Never heard him get to this level. He couldn't catch his breath. He I, I thought he was gonna have a stroke. I really did. I really I said this is the he's imagine how pissed he's gonna be when he has a stroke about the Mets. His voice was cracking. Voice was cracking. Couldn't catch his breath. It was a 10-minute rant. He he threw the entire organization under the bus going back 50 years. Yeah. I mean, this, this, this was anything, you know, he we were joking, like, next he was going to rip on the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Right, everything. You know, the MetLife Stadium, Snoopy, the, the, the blimp, anything that had Met in it was <laughs> shreds. So, fine. That's fine. I understand it's radio. I understand it's theater. He's doing it to uh, to to elicit a response. But Brian, I have a problem with non-Met fans having that level of vitriol and venom. That's two vitriols, by the way, Peach. Keep count. Um, it, it for a team that they don't root for. Why do you care that much? Are you well, that, are you that annoyed by the Mets' existence that you that you could take the, this rant to that level? Because then you start talking, as he did today, for the Met fan and telling the Met fan how he should feel or what he he or she should think. And insulting the Met fan by saying, I mean, that was the big one that I had a huge problem with. You know, Colin McHugh uh, pitched today, made his major league debut, pitched uh, splendidly. It uh, didn't count, apparently, according to Francesca, because it was a minor league lineup, according to him. Um, and, uh, you know, Matt Harvey and stuff. And we were told by Francesca, Bry, we didn't know who these guys were until last week. Hey, you know what, Mike? Read a blog every once in a while, Okay. I mean, Mets fans don't just know who these guys are. I've seen McHugh pitch three times this year, myself, already, before today. Okay, we know who these guys are. We're a little more educated about prospects than we were, say, 
oh, I don't know, 10 years ago. There's this thing called the Internet. You know, Toby Hyde's Minor League Met Block. Go check it out. Was that on the computer? What's that? What do you got to look at? Is there an app for that? You got an app? You know, I got an app. It's cutting edge. Everybody's doing it. How's that going, by the way? How's the app going? Oh, well, I'll tell you how the app is going. I downloaded it yesterday because Sandy Alderson was scheduled to be on with him. And what's great about the app that they tell you is that you could go and you could see a rundown of the show and you know when the guests are going to be coming on. So I figured, oh, this is great. I'm going to download the app. I'm going to be at work. Maybe I'll set, I'll record it. I'll listen to it on the way home. Turns out he wasn't on until 5.30, which, again, was another big problem because Sandy Alderson made Francesa wait for three and a half hours yeah. because he had a little a business of, of a press conference to run. But But... Let's not let that get in the way. Anyway, I go to download the app. App downloads beautifully. And then I go to the Francesa page. It's not working. What? It's, it's not work. Two o'clock. Now playing. Joe and Evan. Oh. It's going to revolutionize. Not. Everybody's going to have it. They're not playing right now. Everybody's, everybody's going to have it, Brian. Well, I, I have it. but is it No, no, no. Everybody's going to copy this. Everybody's going to copy it. It's going to revolutionize the industry. Yeah, it's called streaming radio, Mike. It's been there for quite some time. So anyway, uh, it, it, that's all I got. But I, I'm bothered by the – I want to talk about actual baseball. All right? I don't want to spend the valuable time that you and I have together, this, this time that we have, uh, talking about Mike Francesa trying to get ratings. That's what he's doing. It's theater. Is it is it okay to criticize Terry Collins right now? Of course it is. That's what I'd rather talk about. Is it is it okay to to uh, still really dislike ownership and want them desperately to sell the team? Yes, I would love for them to sell the team. Please sell the team, but they're not going to sell the team. But don't don't a day after you have Sandy Alderson on the show, on your show, where you back down to him, first of all. Because, Brian, where were the questions about what Paul Podesta does? He ranted. Francesa ranted upside down and sideways. For weeks. For, for Since he's been back. Where's your plan? I'll see you in 2015. That's not a plan. What does Dee Podesta do? All the, I mean... Right, he's got, the, he's got the most cush job in America. He's got, he's got the most cush job in baseball. He's paid a million dollars. He does nothing. Right. There's no Alderson has a Alderson has a cush job, no no accountability, no ex- expectations. Right. Everything will get blamed on the owner. And what do you do? It's the easiest job in the world. Well, how come you didn't say that to Sandy's face? How come you didn't ask Alderson about the the easiest job in the world? Because you back down. And so you have him on. Alderson says to you, I mean, you listen to that interview, Bry. Alderson says we're going to have to make a change. It's not okay. To wait to 2014. Well, how are you going to do that? You got no money, blah blah blah. blah. But you know, there's this little thing called trades, too. You know, you can—they're allowed. And Alderson says we may have to make a dynamic change to the team because we 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 cannot expect to run this team out there again. Use the analogy of buying a house. Use the analogy. Of buy, that's right. He said he and his wife must have looked at what he said, like 600 houses or something like that. Uh, and then and then they they bought the house in like a minute. 
might be time to buy the house. Right. It took them a year and a half to buy to to research the houses, and then when it was time to buy it, they, it took them like six months to buy it. And no, he no, said like six hours, right? Six hours, like, yeah. yeah. It's like well, in, a, in a day. Right. The the idea is that Alderson has been here for two years, and he has assessed the situation. He's taken his time to assess the situation, which incidentally is not what they are known for doing. This organization. They're usually very impulsive. They're usually looking for a quick fix, and this is a complete opposite direction of what they've always done. So that's what he's done for the last two years, and he has now admitted that now it's time to make a change. I see what we have. I've assessed the situation. Things have to change. And now he's and, and we are right to now hold him accountable this offseason because now he's got to make changes, and I don't doubt that he will. Absolutely. So you have him on the show the day before, yesterday, and he says all this, and then you kill him today, destroy him, because they lost a one nothing game. Because they can't hit. Well, that's not why. And, because, and they're, not playing, they're not playing good fundamental baseball. I get that, Brian. What is, what is Terry Collins supposed to do? He had a team meeting. He, he, he's, he, everybody wants him to play Valdespin, so he plays Valdespin. Can he teach the kid how to bunt right now in season? First of all, he shouldn't have been bunting there anyway. But can he can he teach fundamentals at this level 120 games into the season? What's he going to do? He benched Jason Bay. Everybody wants to see Valdespin play every day. You know, he called out Parnell. He said it's unacceptable. He held the team meeting, told the guys, this is unacceptable. You're going to be held accountable. What's he going to do? He's got to run a team out there. Yeah, but what does that mean? When he tells them they're going to be held accountable and it's unacceptable and it continues, where where's the accountability? Well, the, then the accountability has to fall to the players at some point, doesn't it, Brian? I mean, what's yeah. he supposed to do? No, but that's my point is that how, you it's he has said he's going to hold people accountable. It's not going to be acceptable to him, but it continues to happen. And he can say it all he wants, but it continues to happen. We're talking about two days. No, 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 no. He, he had a team meeting two days ago. No, but he's been talking about holding players accountable now for weeks. So he shouldn't play Valdespin. I'm just. What, what are you? You're you're fine with just watching the same thing every day because because what is he going to do? That's no, okay with I, you. No, absolutely not. It's not it, the the play is not acceptable. Okay, I I, I lack of fundamentals is not acceptable. I get that. I just think that he's doing whatever he can. He has no bullets left to play. He can't chew the players out publicly because then he definitely loses them. And it's funny that this should all come up, right? Because I was going to talk to you tonight about my big Wally Backman plan. I had this big grand Wally Backman plan from, for, for two weeks. But and we can get to that because I would love to get your take on that. I have a very strong correlation with Backman and Davey Johnson and the 83 Mets and 84 Mets and Terry Collins and I would love to talk about that. But to the to the point with Collins, yeah, he can be criticized for it too. I just don't know what can he do. You know, you know what I think that he can do? And you won't like the answer to this. But you know what I think that he can do? <laughs> I love, gosh, I love prefacing. I mean, I, I know love, you. I love, ca- I love caveats. Now you're, my, now you're my wife. <laughs> now, like every question that gets asked is, uh, you're gonna hate me, but or uh, now I know the answer is no, 
But right. uh, well, let's but give anyway. me let's give me a chance. Well, <laughs> the way to the way to hold these guys accountable, like today, Valdespin can't bunt. He misplays a ball in center field. The other night he slides headfirst into first base. You know what? You benched. Sit on the bench for a couple of days. It's. I understand that who he's going to replace him with is not going to set the world on fire, and it's really just moving pieces of garbage in for pieces of garbage. I get that. But that's the only thing in my mind that he can do to hold them accountable is not play because that's what they're trying to do. What, these, what all of these guys right now are trying to do, or what they should be trying to do, which I don't think they're trying that hard, actually, what they should be trying to do is play themselves into position for next year, whether it's here or somewhere else. They should be acquitting themselves the way that they need to in order to have a job for next year. And if Valdespin is going to do something like that, or Mike Baxter is going to get thrown out at second base on a, on, a, on a hit to the outfield, the way to hold them accountable, that's a bad example, but the way to hold these guys accountable is to not play them. You sit on the bench, and I'll give somebody else a try. And when that person screws up, then he's going to sit on the bench, and we'll put you back in. And you just, nobody should be guaranteed a consistent spot in the lineup right now. That's my point, because then there's no repercussion. You could do whatever you want, but if you've got that spot in the lineup, it doesn't matter. That's the only thing I can see that he can do. I, I, I understand that, and I think that's a great point, Brian. I really do. Here's my only – here's and, and, and I don't dislike it. I, I think you're right, and I think that's what I, – I tweeted this to Andy Martino the other day, who was saying, you know, I don't know what good a meeting is going to do. He's already lost the team. He had a meeting to tell these guys this is not going to be acceptable. Okay, so you're right. That is his only recourse. His only his only bullet left to play, you know, or car car bullet left to play. Boy, all over the analogy map there. <laughs> his only cliche, Johnny. What, what, what game is he playing? <laughs> <laughs> bullets and only one left. I, I should have definitely been David Caruso as I said that because it's very it's a very serious game he's playing there. He's only got one duck left in the deck. That's right. He's only got one bullet left to play. As I slowly rip off my glasses and turn away from the camera. Um, he's only got one card left to play, and that is to bench guys, right? And to take playing time away from them. I totally agree. But, Bri, what is left of this season than to find out if Valdespin is an everyday player? Well, but that's the whole point. I mean, Valdespin presents a unique problem, does he not? I mean, Francesa was just telling Alderson yesterday that he's got to play Valdespin so he can see what he has. Yeah, I know, but, but then when, when these situations start to accumulate in a week's worth of games, you kind of right. know what you ha- where you have an idea of what you have. You know, I, I don't know. There's, they're really they're, – Terry Collins, I'd say Ike Davis. That's a different story to me. Like well, Ike, Ike Davis has a ticket on that play the other day with Bobby Parnell. Nobody's in the right position. It's right. completely lackadaisical play. Right. Ike Davis sits down. That, that's that's my point. That's what being held accountable means. But that's different than Valdespin or a young guy like that. That's a different story. I know. I'm using I'm using I'm using Valdespin as a bad example because I hate him. But like Murphy's Murphy's not going to play the next couple of games. Right? Murphy, Murphy's exhausted. Murphy's exhausted, but he's not exhausted. No, and that's, and I, I think and I think that that's Terry Collins' way of kind of saving face for the player, but also holding him accountable by not playing him. Absolutely. And I give I give him credit for that. But what's you know? Murphy's crime? 
being in a slump? Murphy Murphy is not approaching his at bats the same way he approached them earlier in the season. That's fair. He's just, he's just not, and and okay. it, and that that's what I've been saying now for six weeks. Going back to that Cubs series right before the All Star break, before it all went downhill, I did not like the way they were approaching at bats and and the way that they were playing the game. It just it, it didn't feel right to me. And then they came out of the All Star break and they start to lose games and then it just it spiraled out of control. Right. Well, they're what are they eleven and twenty four since the All Star break? I think they're eleven. They're eleven and twenty nine. Nine. Yeah, in forty games they're eleven and twenty nine. They're eighteen games. Wow. What a disgrace. Oh, right. Because, so far. Yeah, because, no. Go ahead. No. 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 That, he's I, in a tough. He's in a. He's in a tough spot. He is. I, all I was going to say is this. With, when it comes to the last thing on this Francesa nonsense, and then I want to move on to the Jets and the Giants and then Wally Backman and the, the whole thing. It, you know, my, my friends uh, that are Yankee fans immediately said, oh, you know, he's right and this is great and blah, 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 blah. I got into a really good discussion on Twitter with Rich Catino. Cal, I don't know if you saw it. I did. But Rich, uh, who is to my... Uh, feeling is the most respected Met writer there is because he's he's optimistic, he's passionate, yet he is measured. When the team needs to be uh, taken to task, he does. Mm-hmm. But to me, Rich Catino sees he's like the perfect fan because although Ted Berg's pretty good too, but he sees the big picture. Okay, there's nothing that can be done about ownership. There's nothing. There's nothing you can do. Period. You can root for another team. That's it. But the Wilpons are here to stay. Okay, Bud Selig is never going to take the team away from them because he's boys with them. Okay, so that's that's one thing that you have to accept. He also understands that Sandy Alderson has a plan. Okay, and it's okay that his plan is taking some time. And a rebuilt farm system is probably the most important thing he's done in the two years that he's been here. But you know what, Steve? It's okay to know that he's got a plan and, and, and we're we are on board with the plan. We trust him, we know that he's got a plan and we and we're willing to see it through. And that's fine. But we are but is but it is also okay to not be happy with what you're seeing today. Absolutely. You know, you can't that's it's not fun. like it's it's not like and I'm not saying you're doing this, but it's like it's one it's not one or the other. You can look at what the, what's going on today and be really upset and frustrated with it. But it doesn't it doesn't make it better because you know that there's a plan. You know what I mean? But you, but but see, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know what I mean? To me, Bri, you you have to still see the fact that yeah, they lost one nothing today. That some terrible plays. They they were zero for eighteen with men on base today. Zero for eighteen. And the team not hitting. There's just not talent here. And yet, a kid they brought up who has been through every level of their system who has worked his way up, who's 25 years old, pitched seven innings of two-hit, two nine-strikeout ball. And last, you don't, time I, last time I checked, the Rockies are still a major league team. You know, you don't dismiss that at all. But that's getting dismissed. It that's, getting, that, that's what Francesca did today that pissed me off. Right. He right. dismissed all of it. And, and the reason why he's dismissing it is because he's looking at He thinks that all it is is a spin by ownership and the organization to deflect what's going on on the field right now and to deflect the fact that he feels there's no plan, and he's and he is he is pounding that into fans so hard to try to turn them against Alderson that there is no plan, 
that the only plan is to wait for these kid pitchers to come. And he just – and he all, – all the time, why – now, let me ask you this. Why do Harvey and Wheeler and McHugh and Familia and Mejia, why are they automatically not Seaver, Kuzman, and Matlack, but they automatically are Pulsifer, Wilson, and Isringhausen? Of course. Why, why is it one or the other? Because he's a Yankee fan. But it's not just. <laughs> but it's not just him. You see it from the beat writers also. Of course. But why? I don't understand why they are comfortable painting them as the next generation K, but completely dismissive of them as the young pitchers from the '60s when they could be either or, or somewhere in the middle. The and Mets what, are a team that will always pay for past sins. Always. But why can't they get credit for a past success? Because it doesn't. Because they're the Mets. I, I it's rhetorical. I know. No, it, no. I mean that's the, but that's your answer, Bry. It's what frustrates you, though, as a Mets fan. Because the Mets. I mean, I, you I know, the Mets. I know. Somebody, somebody said to me today, "Oh, you know, uh, uh, oh, you know, he's just going off about Generation K again." I'm sure you know the Mets are the worst about overhyping their prospects and blah 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 blah. Yeah, how are the Killer Bees doing? How are Bertanzas and Benuelos doing? Every team overhypes their prospects. How about and Phil Hughes and Jabba Chamberlain? Nobody, nobody does it like the Mets. Nobody does it like the Mets do. Yeah, how about Phil Hughes, Jabba Chamberlain, and Ian Kennedy? How's that doing? How's that the next generation of Yankee, uh, Yankee stud rotation guys who are untouchable? How about the nicknamed by Francesa Killer Bees, Bertanzas and Benuelos? How are they doing? He gave them the nickname the Killer Bees. And they're untouchable. And uh, you're not, you, you know, they could trade for King Felix. You're not getting Ben Wells with the Tances. Okay, how about everyone? Every team does it. The Mets are guilty of it, too. I'm not going to say they're not. But right now, with the organization on the downside, and let's, you know, let's not gloss over the fact that Sandy Alderson came in and had to bloodlet the payroll down $50 million because the owner's assets were frozen because of the Madoff case. Let's not forget that. Let's also not forget that the fact that he can't really move forward with any big contract is because he's got contracts to Jason Bay still on the books from the previous ownership and Johan Santana. Yeah, who account for uh, $50 million next year. You know, So, uh, again, it, that, that doesn't let Sandy Alderson off the hook. He didn't want to be let off the hook yesterday when he was on with Francesa. No, he, as, a ma- as a matter of right? – We have to be aggressive. Losing again and seeing the same team is not acceptable. And, as, and, and he even said, because Francesca asked him, at what point does this become your team? And he was flat out admitted, it's my team right now. I'm, I'm re- yeah, and, and was annoyed by the question. Yep. Like, I'm responsible. This is my team. I'm responsible. What you see out there, I'm accountable for. He took accountability. That's right. You know, that's what you want to see. That's leading, that's leading the organization. That's setting an example for the rest of everybody that follows under him. From, man- from the managers, from the coaches to the players, your general manager went on the radio station in New York and took accountability for this current team. With a Met killer. With a, with a, Met, with with a, a Met killer. You know, a confirmed Met killer. Now, that again, we, we sound like we're in love with Sandy Olsen. No, we just know that... <clears throat> but give him time. You, you That's have all to, we want. You have to give him time, and you have to also accept the fact that there's limitations to what he could do. He had he had like nine million dollars to spend last off season. Nine million. 
and he went and tried to rebuild the bullpen, and it failed. And he said yesterday, mea culpa. He took credit for that, too. Those were his exact words. Mea culpa on the bullpen. I tried. Didn't work out. You know, so that aside, Bri, I just don't like seeing the whole operation for the last 50 years thrown under the bus by a guy who's not a Met fan. You know what? And and who is a known Met hater, okay? Save your passion for when the Yankees get eliminated yet again from the playoffs with a $200 million payroll, okay? Save it for then. Save it for a team you supposedly care about. You don't care about the Mets. You're going to have a stroke about them? But he's got a lot of listeners that do care about the Mets. I know what. And and, and his, his, his MO has always been rile up the Mets fans because it's good for his show. Of course. He admits it. Yep. And that's, and that's, what, he, and that's what he did today, and it worked. It was good to you. Because look at us. Yeah. And, and he's got Bill Simmons tweeting it out to his three million followers. Right. It worked. Exactly. Although he doesn't even know what Twitter is, but that's okay. Right. Well, he'll, he'll, know, he'll know about that, though. Oh, yeah. No, he'll hear about that one. He'll, all of a sudden, he'll know about that one. Yeah. So, anyway. But then, and my last thing on it was I was less annoyed by his rant than you were. Because I knew that it was it was all fabricated and and by design. Right. It was all by design. Uh, I'm more upset with the way the team is playing. They scored five runs in four games against the Rockies at home. They've lost eight games in a row, nine games in a row at City Field. Fourteen of sixteen at City. Fourteen of sixteen. They've, they've just been awful. Terry Collins used my favorite phrase ever the other night about perception becoming reality. The perception is that these guys have given up, and you know what? That's reality. Until they do something to change my view of what they're doing, right. they've given up. And I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm sorry. Because I, I, I'm, I'm going on my, by my eyes. And I'm seeing what they're doing and, and the horrible mistakes that they're making. And guys that should be playing for jobs somewhere next year going through the motions. Guys that were, were busting it the first three months of the year and, and, and are not doing anything right now. It, it's an indictment on them. Yeah, and it's fr- and as a Met fan, it's frustrating, and it's you feel betrayed this year more than any other year because of the way that it started. Right, that's fair. So, there's that. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you want to do the uh, the Backman thing now? Yeah, please. I'm dying to hear. And it. then and then we'll go to the the Jets and the Giants. Not like there's anything to talk about there. Um, okay, the Backman thing. Here's the Backman thing. The Backman corollary, we'll call it. Okay. We we have to name everything. What's a good name for that? Is it cor- the corollary is no good. What, well, what what do you what do you? Well, <laughs> well, I think right. we, maybe we have to name it after we. <laughs> right. Maybe we should name it after we eat it. <laughs> uh, this is this is definitely the food that prison riots are made of. The Backman Chronicles. The Backman. Uh, no, that's pretty good though. Uh, that was a by the way just a very obscure bachelor party reference there. That was right there. You know what? You know what? Somebody, uh, my, our buddy Jay uh, from the Yayas, who I work with, came with today. Cal, great deep cut, like deep cut movie reference. Like the reference was bleeding. It was fantastic. Comes over my to my desk and uh, he's trying to get my attention because I'm listening to the Francesa rant on like YouTube. And he comes over and he's like, Ah, uh, Mister uh, Wolf, uh, whatever it is, uh, Wolf up, Wolf out, uh, whatever it is you need to do, uh, whatever you do. There, uh, wolf, wolf it up. 
And I, I was like, wow, coming to me with Teen Wolf. Uh, that was good. Uh, let me see how I can put this. Uh, no wolf, no part. Huh? Okay. And so then, of course, we got into Coach Fenstock. Oh, perfect. Which is just okay, the three rules to live by. <laughs> Never, what is it? Never. I always I always mix up the order, but they're so good. We've talked about it on the show before. They're just so perfect. Never. Scotty, I live by three rules. <laughs> never, never play poker with a guy with the first name as a city. <laughs> Same first name as a city. Never date a woman with a tattoo of a dagger on her body and never get less than 12 hours sleep. You stick to those three things. The rest is cream cheese. <laughs> that guy was... That guy was I think there's like a website like Coach Fenstock isms or something like that or the 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 towel of Coach Fenstock. <laughs> Scotty, these are do you understand what I'm saying? These are people with real problems. <laughs> Fact is, with your dad in the hardware store, I should be coming to you for money. He's another one of those guys that just showed up in movies throughout the eighties. Yep. A I great, don't know his I don't know his name, but Great eighties that guy. Yeah. <laughs> the rest is could never date a woman with a tattoo of a dagger. <laughs> like the best part is that these 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 clearly happened to him, and they were good enough to make like they were important enough to make a rule. Maybe even happened twice. <laughs> like he didn't learn from the first woman with a tattoo of a dagger. He had to go to the second one. Oh man, uh, Teen Wolf. Now, did you see Teen Wolf too? Let's be honest. Scott Baio, of course. No. No, no. Oh, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman before the comeback. That's right. Jason Bateman. By the way, all arrested, all 13 arrested developments at once. Did you see this? Uh, I saw that it was it was 10 and now it might be 13. Right. All at once. I love this. All at once. Evan sure. asked me why would they do that? And I said, because it's awesome. <laughs> no, I said, well, and also not to make people wait Ten weeks, like not to to have it cuts down on expectations, right? Because it gets it all out there, so you're not doing a week to week thing where you're waiting to see the next episode and blah 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 blah. You, you can the fans can devour them all at once, catch up with everybody, be all set to go for the movie all at once on your own pace. That's brilliant. It. Yeah, it's I love brilliant. it. I I love it so much. PJ had a uh, a great post on Facebook. I was, that, I was just I was just going to say that. Yeah. Good post, Peach. The 53 jokes on Arrested Development that you might have missed. I think I missed about 40 of them. Oh, yeah, no. I missed too. all of them. Jeez. Uh, there, were, there, were, there were a bunch I caught. Yeah. Did you, uh, Coach Finstock. Finstock, that's it. Played by the great Jay Tarsus, who has many more credits as a comedy writer. Is that right? Yeah, he doesn't doesn't really? have many acting gigs. He's all over the '80s and '90s as a comedy writer. He, is he writing for like Facts of Life? Is he writing for Your New Heart? What's he writing for? Uh, Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. Oof. Uh, a Muppet movie or two. Buffalo Bill. Remember Buffalo Bill? Yes. Sure. Carol Burnett Show. Tony Randall Show. Bob Newhart Show. Sandy Duncan. Like the old. He- he did a lot of the shows there. <laughs> I always thought he looked shows. like a. At, at the time, they didn't. They didn't want to really confuse the viewer. These right. are shows, people. It's not reality. 
You always thought he looked like what, Cal? Like he could have stood in for a Barry Williams, like a Greg Brady, an old Greg Brady. <laughs> in a Brady Bunch uh, movie? Similar, yeah. Or like if he was playing Greg Brady in a Brady, like in a movie within a movie. Yeah, like the. Te- <laughs> wow, you're getting awfully meta with the Brady Bunch. Right, like like Barry Williams was Greg Brady in in a Brady Bunch movie, and then within the movie, he's filming a movie about his life, and he's got to hire somebody, so he hires <laughs> Coach Bobby Finstock. <laughs> That's magnificent. That's way too involved for any Brady Bunch movie, though. <laughs> like the Brady Bunch movies were didn't wasn't Bobby like a race car driver or something? Bobby. Bobby was, yeah. Yeah, and then he was paralyzed. Oh my goodness. That's right. They, was, had, to, they had to reconfigure the Brady house. <laughs> they decided that the Brady audience needed some good melodrama. <laughs> wow. I wish I could have been in the writing room for that one. Okay, here's what we're gonna do, guys. No, no, you guys are gonna love this. And it's not because it's not Mike Lookinland didn't have like a accident or anything, right? No, no, they just put him no, in the No, I think it's because Mike Lookinland probably had uh, an agent who was like, "All right, Mike Lookinland's coming back uh, for the sequel here, but he's going to need his own trailer. <laughs> he's going to need all the brown right. M&Ms. It was punishment, right? And they were like, "You know what? You know what we're going to do to Bobby? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he's back. Yeah, no problem. Guess what? He, he's in a hospital bed." <laughs> the good news is he's going to be a race car driver. <laughs> the bad news for, is for five not minutes. for long, right? <laughs> guys, guys, you guys are going to love this. Wait, wait, check it out, check it out. Here's the what we do to Bobby. Show, Bobby looks great. Right, <laughs> he looks so healthy. Hey, uh, Mike, Mike, get in here, get in here. You can. We're going to run this by you. <laughs> You're going to love this. <laughs> we are talking Emmy. <laughs> I smell a people's choice. <laughs> uh, do you remember? I remember watching that. I definitely remember watching that. What? Like when it was on. When it aired, I remember watching it. The you Brady Bunch movie. When you got into an accident? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm saying like I remember not being pumped up, but I liked the Brady Bunch. Like I used to watch the Brady Bunch. And I remember like, oh, Brady Bunch TV movie. Like I'm in. I want to see what, what the gang's up to. I, I remember I watching that when it aired. Is that the same one where Mike Brady got called to the building that exploded? <laughs> Can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> On Christmas. But the, <laughs> do you remember that one? Well, no, I don't they, know. They, they all I remember down. was Bobby with the car accident, or the race car accident. There was all kinds of drama within the family. They're all fighting with each other, and they, they're sitting down for Christmas dinner, fighting <laughs> with each other, and Mike gets a call that one of the buildings that he was the architect of has exploded. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I remember he, that. And, and his workers were in there. And he went down, and the whole, you know, the whole gang went, and he got himself into the building, and the building wound up collapsing on him. Please, like, <laughs> what? Please, this is the same that wonders for, for Mike Brady architecture, doesn't it? <laughs> Please tell me this is the same one where... where he, uh, Bobby's character is paralyzed. Like, I, I want to say this was before he was even paralyzed. What are the writers doing for these movies? And this, of course, well, this was the, you, didn't re, you didn't realize this, but the, the Brady uh, reunion was written by a, a young guy named Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, like P.T. Anderson cut on as a looper, apparently. And, uh, was, he, uh, he was working on sort of a Magnolia kind of level, you know. <laughs> Let's make things 
spiral down and down and down. Then, then okay, here's what's going to happen next, guys. Then Cindy's going to come outside and it's raining frogs. Now, don't right. ask me why. I'll explain it. I believe the one where the building collapses, everything starts to turn around because Carol Brady, Florence who's, Henderson, finally gets to start <laughs> singing. Doesn't she, like, oh, yeah. stand in the middle of the street and start singing? That's all she needed to do was start singing a Christmas carol. This had to be, obviously, yeah. a Christmas episode. Right, so she starts well. singing. And then, you know, oh my goodness. Marsha starts singing, and then all of a sudden, everybody, because now hundreds of people have gathered to this building that's collapsed. And now they all simultaneously start singing this Christmas carol. Yeah. And wouldn't you know who emerges from the rubble? Mike. Mike Brady. Yep. Being carried by Bob in the wheelchair. These things happen all the time. He's, uh, it's, yeah, people usually rush to an explosion in a suburban area. That's usually what happens. Like, everybody wants to rush right to the scene of, of an explosion in a suburban area. That's, that's, on, on Christmas night. On Christmas night. I know if something blows up near me, heavens forbid, I, I'm, I'm putting my robe on. We're going out there. There's got to be someone in there. We need to save him by singing Christmas carols. Come on, let's go, family. And they I'm all go. It's the designer of the rickety building. He's caught underneath it. <laughs> Oh man. Ah, uh, good times. Okay, back to Wally Backman. Um and I'll make this brief because we do need to I really want to talk about the Jets and the Giants. Oh, don't worry. We've but got we did have, time. Right. We talked about the Jets for an hour and twenty minutes last week. Um and, and that was fantastic with Bassett. That was really good by the way. Um thank you to Brian. Um at thejetsblog.com. So here's the thing with that was Backman. the worst oh, I, put together sentence you've ever said. Yeah, you should bad. take that all back and do it again. <laughs> Can we go back? Can we everybody that go back? Was, one? <laughs> Can I have the most halting, truncated, resumed, and truncated again? No one knows what you just said. <laughs> we are all dumber for having listened to that. <laughs> I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Uh, yes, let me take that again. Last week we had Brian Bassett from thejetsblog.com on. And we talked about the Jets for a good portion of the show. It was great. Brian was fantastic. Thank you, Brian. And check out his work at thejetsblog.com, part of the SNY.TV network of blogs. I'm Steve Sampietro, ready to unload. That was my that was my, my best ESPN, my best right. Jeremy Schaap. Jeremy Schaap, yeah. <laughs> Cal, give me a little Jeremy Schaap. Uh, you want Jeremy Schaap? I want to give me a little Schaap. Reporting, reporting live from Dolphins Camp, Jeremy Schapp, ESPN. <laughs> they're not sure when they're going to get a touchdown, but that's because Tim Tebow hasn't played yet. Jeremy Schapp, ESPN. <laughs> the worst. The worst. The cast fell out of the building, but he landed on his feet. <laughs> Jeremy Schapp. Downtown Brooklyn. <laughs> Hard hitting news for Jeremy Shap. Or T. Wa Chang. <laughs> Either one of them. Anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Right on time. Okay, so Wally Backman. Here's what I was thinking. I started thinking this two weeks ago. I started talking to our buddy Kevin McWalters about it. Huge Met fan who hates ownership with a passion. I can see a lot of corollaries between this team and the 19, uh, 
82-83 Met team, uh, even into the late 70s, early 80s teams. Um, and the, the, the correlation goes really deep here, Bri, okay? You had a team that had become stagnant. There were 10,000 people in the stands. Things are going really bad, okay? Uh, ownership, uh, that's when Doubleday brought in the Wilpons, okay, because they needed an influx of, of – uh, an infusion of money and cash, and the Wilpons had it then. Well, they bought the team together. That's right. That's right. They bought it in 81, right? 1980. In 80. Okay, so good. You've got new ownership and an influx of cash. That's not what I was going to say corollary-wise. That would be wonderful right? if the Wilpons would sell. <laughs> that's the piece that's not going to happen. That's the piece that's not going to happen, right? Right. But they brought in who? Frank Cashin, right? They brought right. in the general right. manager with a vision. They brought in a general manager who had built the Orioles, uh, champion, Orioles championship teams. He had done this before, has a blueprint for it, and tells everybody, you got to be patient, right? Then 83, they make their big splash. They sign George Foster. First time they're dipping into the free agency pool, blah, 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 blah. We may see that next year with Alderson. We may see that big move that nobody really thought he would have in him. But further, so you have the GM in place who has a plan. Now we have Alderson in place, the plan to rebuild the team. Got to bloodlet it first, okay? 81, 82, 83 teams, not good. Okay, they, they relied on gimmicks like bringing Tom Seaver back, for example, to pitch. Then they make the trade for Hernandez, right, in 83. This is the huge trade. Now, the Alderson needs that, okay? Well, but, but back up a little bit, because before that, they brought up Daryl Strawberry, at the, beginning, at the beginning of 1983. Yes, you're absolutely right. So the highly touted prospects that were coming, the first one came at the beginning of 1983. Yes, and they drafted Gooden in 83 as well, right? They drafted Gooden in 82. 82 first overall. Or no, the Cubs took Sean Dunstan first. And then the that, Mets took... That was the strawberry year. Uh, I don't think so. I thought so. No... I think so. No, because no, Strawberry was number one overall in 1980. Yeah, and Strawberry's the same year as Bean. That's right. Billy Bean. They took Billy Bean and Strawberry in the same year. Ah, Gooden. another, another corollary. Yep. Gooden. Well, that's 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 a deep cut. I didn't even go that far. Okay, I'm sorry. Now you're you're getting to some next level stuff. I love it. Uh, okay. So you had Gooden taken number two overall. Sean Dunstan. The Cubs passed on Gooden. They took Sean Dunstan. I'm almost positive that we can look it up. But anyway. So now you have the GM in place. He's starting to rebuild the team. Now, cut to now. You have the GM in place. He's starting to rebuild the team. You have a young manager, a former second baseman for the Orioles, a firebrand, down managing the team in Norfolk, where Strawberry is, where Gooden is, where Darling is, where Fernandez is, uh, where Backman is. You have this uh, guy named Davey Johnson down there who they're grooming to be a manager. And he's a hothead, he's arrogant, but he's you know, he's he's being groomed to be manager. And you have a caretaker at the major league level in George Bamberger. Okay? Nice old guy. Sweetheart. You know, great guy. Not going to do anything uh, to hurt the organization. He's a caretaker. Okay? Meanwhile, Davey Johnson's winning with this team down in AAA. And, 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 and getting to know these young players. Cut to now. Okay? Same situation, Bry. Terry Collins is a caretaker. He's a very good one. He was brought in 
to have the team play the right way, right, and play fundamental baseball. They knew they weren't going to be very good for these two years. Maybe they would overachieve and be 500. Um, but he was brought in as a caretaker. He's like 65 years old. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a second chance for him. He's done a nice job, Brian. He's done a nice job. Up until, like, literally the last three weeks. He's done a really nice job over the course of a year and a half. Down in AAA, they have Wally Backman just waiting in the wings. Fire, you know, fire plug, uh, complete guy who's also working with Harvey and Wheeler and Familia and, and Mejia and McHugh. And uh, he'll have. He's had Reese Havens. He's had Lagaris. He's had Neuenheis. He's had Duda. All these young guys, right? Davy Johnson becomes manager in what? Eighty four. Nineteen eighty four. Yep. And they they challenge to win the NL East. They hang in all the way to September, and they eventually lose out to the Cubs by a couple of games. All right. It's time for Wally Backman, Cal. It's time. Next year, it's time for Wally Backman. It's 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 time to make that switch. The guy who's been around these young pitchers, Wheeler, you know, uh, uh, Harvey, he's he's going to get fired up. You want to talk about accountability, Bry? He's going to hold him accountable. You know, there's questions about whether he can manage at the major league level. I think it's time. I see the correlation there it was, uh, uh, between him and Davey Johnson. And I think you move Terry Collins upstairs. You thank him very much for these two years. Thank him for being a uh, careholder. And you move him upstairs. You kick him upstairs. You give him the gold watch. And you kick him up to, to uh, a director of player development. You know, But, it, you know, it's the Wilpon, so it'd have to be a silver watch. Am I right about that? <laughs> Only the Mets. You see what I'm doing? It's it's a Minkman. It's a it's a Casio calculator watch. <laughs> How about two fifty and a Casio? <laughs> My favorite planes, trains, and automobiles. I don't have the forty two fifty for the room. How about two dollars and a Casio? <laughs> and he slides it across his his arm <laughs> like they like to show it off. Have mercy! I've been wearing the same underwear since Tuesday. Um, gosh, I love that movie. I was talking to, to PJ about this the other day. He was PJ. Can't I can count on one hand the amount of times I've laughed harder than uh, in a movie than the I want a effing car right effing now when I saw it the first time in the theater. I was crying. <laughs> You saw that in the theaters? I did. Wow. I did. I told you, my dad took me to all these... He took Scott and I to all these movies that today, like... Not that they would be questionable, but, like, I saw Ghostbusters in the theater. So what was I? I, I saw Ghostbusters also. Right. Well, we were 13, Bri. No, we were younger than that. Maybe 12. Ghostbusters, is, Ghostbusters is not 84, is it? Yep. Is it yes, it is. 85? 84. Ten years old. The reason I remember that is because as we're talking about the 84 Mets, when the Mets were making their run in September, 
the, the New York radio stations had the clever play on the Ghostbusters song. They made it Cub Busters. Okay. I Ain't Afraid of No Cubs. Very, very clever. You remember that, right? I know. <laughs> very clever. You remember that. Here's here's my only thing with your corollary. It's great. I'm 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 interested in hearing more. If you have some literature, please send it my way. I have a nice pamphlet. I would love to read that. Um, the only problem is that Davy Johnson was not arrested for drunk driving. Uh, now, why should that count? Here's why. Here's the only reason why it counts. Wally Backman is is very unpredictable. I know. Very, like it. Very unpredictable. And by the way, let's not pretend that Davy Johnson wasn't having, you know, Davy Johnson just didn't get caught. We don't even we don't even know if 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 the internet had been around in 1983. Exactly. Davy Johnson would be all over YouTube and that's and exactly right. Compromising let's, positions. Let's just the, from everything we've read, he was the I, biggest drinker on that team. So I and that's and that's saying something because right. you had. Dwight Gooden and, and Daryl Strawberry doing a lot of coke. A lot of coke. Here's an interesting question for you. Speaking, not speaking of coke, but <laughs> wow. Let's take let's take this current situation going on with Sandy Alderson. No, hmm? scratch that. Reverse it. Let's take the situation from 1983, the early 80s, 80, 81, 82, 83 that you spoke of with Frank Cashin and mm-hmm. everything that went on back then, and and attendances under a million for the year at Chase Stadium and the gimmicks and everything that they had, right? Mm-hmm. Let's take that and transport that situation to the year 2012. The same environment that Sandy Alderson is currently working under. Yeah. Would, would, would the media today, with the social media and the beat writers and, and the radio shows and the fans with the... With, as little patience as they have, would they have allowed Frank Cashin to build that team? Probably not. We may not we may not have ever gotten the eighty six Mets if that were right now. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any chance. Right? I don't think there's any chance. So the point is to support your your theory here is let Sandy Alderson build this team like they let Frank Cashin build that team twenty five years ago. Yep. And I and and I'm on board with that. Wally Backman scares me. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I, I like the idea of Wally Backman and Tim Tuffle platooning as manager. <laughs> Since he's already here. Oh, there's a lefty pitching. Tuffle, your manager. Backman pitches third. That's fantastic. Oh, that's great! I know, I I can't believe I didn't think of that. I thought of Tuffle being there, right? But the 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 platoon, the platoon manager, I love it. Either that, or the first thing Wally Backman does is fire Tim Tuffle. When he comes <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like that's it. Yep. I I think it's time, Cal. I think it's time for Wally Backman to take over this team next year. Or are you giving Collins one more year? Next year. Right. I'm good. I'm I'm good. I, I've seen Terry Collins' ceiling. He's got another year on his contract, though. Yeah. So what? What's he making? I mean, he's not making a million dollars. Is that? Oh, he's making a million dollars at least. Is he? Yeah. After that's, eleven that's, years of not managing a team, he's making eleven million dollars or uh, over a million dollars. Oh yeah, they all make a million dollars now. All those people. 
But the Wilpons are not going to just pay him to do nothing. I told you, bump him upstairs. So now they're going to pay two manager salaries? You know what? It wouldn't be unheard of. I mean, for goodness sake. I know, but their whole but their whole mission appears to be getting out from under those contracts next year. So when they go to... I could see it happening in 2014. I could but Cal, it, it doesn't it go along with what Sandy Alderson was saying? Sandy Alderson, I think, realizes now. He does not have... Another year like this next year, he's out of a job. And I know that everybody says, oh, Sandy doesn't care. He's just here for the time being. He's a caretaker, blah, 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 blah. If you that. if you think for a second that that guy doesn't care, I I disagree with you. You may be right. You may be right. You may you may absolutely be right. You may be a hundred percent right that he was just brought in here for a couple of years and he's he doesn't care about the job and he's going to leave and he was doing a favor for Bud Selig and blah 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 blah. I don't know if that's true. You may be right. I don't feel that way. I that feel would, that that would surprise me. It would surprise me too. He seems like a competitive guy. He seems like a really competitive guy. So. I don't think he has another year like this year allowed. So I, you know, look, I'm just throwing so it out there. He's gonna have to get very creative then. This is where he's gonna make his bones with this team. Yep. And we got we got all off season to talk about that. So let's move on. Yeah, like he's like he's, an, an hour on the Mets. Like he's got to make his bones. He's been in the league for thirty years. I know. I know. <laughs> right. This is it. Make or break for Sandy Alderson. Hope he has a career. <laughs> The guy was GMing when you were holding up trucks. Uh, okay, before we get to the Jets and the Giants, uh, I do want to talk Yankees for a minute. Okay. Because I found myself, uh, with the Mets being relatively unwatchable, really, like it's so frustrating to watch right now, I watched me a little Yankee baseball. Did you and, watch the uh, streak against the White Sox? I did. I mean, I didn't watch it, like, in earnest or whatever, but while Wesley is screaming, mm. and I'm trying not to, uh, to you know, have my heart completely broken because there's nothing I can do, I'm, uh, uh, and I have to have the TV on mute because we have to pretend that we're all asleep. <laughs> uh, I'm watching the Yankees. So, a couple of things that I wanted to ask you. Uh, supposedly, uh, Ivan Nova's going on the DL. Is that correct? Yes. May miss his next start. Uh, will miss, he will probably miss the next two starts. Right. Kuroda has been fantastic. Yes. Um, I don't know if I trust him in the playoffs yet, uh, if I'm a Yankee fan. The Rays are now, what, three games back? They were three coming into tonight. And they, but the Yankees were off. I think the Rays play, yes? Don't know that. Okay. So I'll look it up. Do you think that the Yankees – look, they're still, what, you know, 17, 18 games over 500 or whatever – um, they're still in very, very good position for a wild card, but I, this is a rare, to me, a rare banged-up Yankee team. Like, they've been banged up in the past, had injuries here and there and stuff like that, but this is a this is a different year to me, and I'm not predicting their demise by any means because they are a resilient club. They are. The, Ra- the Rays won, and they're two and a half back now. Two and a half back. So, And if you can hit like the Yankees can, you can overcome a lot of shortcomings and get yourself to the postseason, and then anything can happen. But it feels a little different to me, Bri, for one reason. And that's Rivera. I know Soriano's been great. and But all the other injuries that they've had, they dealt with before. And been fine. They've never not had Rivera in the back of that bullpen in the playoffs. Or even for a stretch run. I mean, for a pennant race. Which they are now clearly in. 
Because if you're the Yankees, oh boy, let me take that back because I hate when you when, when I hate that statement. If the Yankees find themselves in a one ga- in that one game playoff, that's going to be tough. They could be facing a really difficult team, you know. And I I think the Yankees, if they're going to go far in the, I think they need to win the East. And not having Rivera for the first time ever, even for a pennant race. And I, I, again, I know Soriano's been great. I don't know if I can trust him. It's going to be interesting to me to see how that team reacts, Bry. That's a great point because that plays into kind of the psychology of this team. We know they've, we know they've got offense. They can hit. Um, they, they've got Sabathia to pitch. But they've never had – like. They've all, they have entered the last 15 postseasons, or 14 out of the last 15 postseasons, with the greatest closer in the history of the game as their security blanket. Pennant races, too, Brian. Pennant, pennant races, big, meaningful games in the regular season, everything. They've all, they have always had the greatest person at what he does in the back of their bullpen. Yep. And that is, that is an enormous security blanket and it gives you an enormous psychological edge over your opponent and it gives you a, a, a ton of confidence going into a game you just you know you just have to get through seven innings essentially yep you know get through get get hold get get a lead to the eighth inning and you're and you're set with with you can count on one hand the number of exceptions to that yep. statement yep so not having him this year I think I think that's an excellent point it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond to that. And when they, if, you know, Tampa Bay is breathing down their neck right now. And if they're in a pennant race in a game in September where if they lose the game, they fall into a tie or whatever it is, and they don't have Rivera, I'd be very interested to see how they approach that game. I don't think Soriano, as good as he's been, and it's not to take anything away from him. He's been very, very good. And great. Nobody puts that fear into a team like Rivera does. You know, the, the the Rays come up in the ninth inning against Soriano down a run in a big September 20th game. They're not, they still think they can win that game. Right. You know, uh, there's, there's a huge mental edge that's not going to be there. And I also want to see that lineup get healthy again. Because look, good, good pitching shuts down guys like Andrew Jones and Raul Abanez and you know those those guys will feast on a fourth or a fifth starter on a bad bullpen or you know the Yankees have made their living on that for ten years you know but Baltimore's not a pushover anymore by any means. There's four teams tied for the wild card spot right now. Right, and Baltimore. You know, in the past, the Yankees say if they had nine games left against Baltimore, you know that's eight and one. I mean that's that's eight wins they could count on in the past. They can't do that anymore. You know, they, they they can't count on those 15 wins out of the 20 games. That, or, or if they had 18 games left with, like, Toronto and Baltimore. Right. That's not 15 wins anymore. You know, that, so it's going to be re- – this is a different year. And I, I, I don't know if I trust their starting pitching. And I especially I, – I'm really interested to see how, you know, how it's different, Cal, coming down the stretch without without the greatest closer ever. You know, and that's and that's the difference for every you know the Yankee fan that is not worried. 
You know, ah, they're not, you know, I'm not worried. Maybe, maybe they won't win the, the division, but there's no way they're not going to win the wild card. That confidence that they have is built on Rivera. I mean, it's built on 14 years being in this spot and making the playoffs. But every one of those years, they had Rivera. They don't have Rivera right now. And you watch how fast people start to panic if Soriano blows a game like we were just talking about in September. Right. Because then it's going to be real to them. And they're going to be like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. This this is not – I don't know what this is like. I think it's going to be real to the team, too. Well, yeah, more to the team than the, yeah, because the fans. Are. You know, no, no, no. The, the fans absolutely matter. I mean, we the, we're, we're talking about both here. I think it's going to be real to the team too. That first time that you know, look, Rivera's blown saves here or there before, but on a handful of occasions, come down the stretch in September, you have Mo. It's it's you know the mm-hmm. the only team that wasn't afraid of them was the Red Sox, and he still beat them too. So, you know, you still have Jeter, you still have Robinson Cano, you still have. Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a ridiculously formidable lineup, even without a Rod in it, even without, uh, you know, with guys going down and stuff. But I still don't trust the starting pitching. Um, you know, Sebastian being on the DL does not help matters. And man, you don't want to find yourself in a one-game playoff with like the Angels or like, you know, for that wild card spot. You don't want to find yourself there having to go to. Uh, California and face Jared Weaver, you know, to to get in. Well, and and conversely, you don't want to have to win that last game of the season to get in and say you have to use Sabathia just to get to that one-game playoff. And now now you're going to put the season on Kuroda's shoulders? Right. It's going to be really interesting. I, I, you know, I wouldn't bet against them because of the Yankees. Oh, no, no. And they've got a ridiculous amount of resiliency in, in these guys. Yep. Um, but I don't think it's the slam dunk that people might think it is, or that it's always been. I, I, yeah, I don't think it was the slam dunk it was three weeks ago. You know, yeah. certainly not. And now, as you're approaching September, and the games, and and the race is tight, and the you know clearly the Rays have no fear. No, I mean, and, the and Rays don't fear the Yankees in Tampa. They don't fear them in Yankee Stadium. It's it it is amazing how every year at this time Tampa Bay turns it on. Ugh. It's unbelievable. Good. They just and and you know what? You want for to talk the, about talk, for the fifty million dollar payroll. You want to talk about managers? That guy can manage. That guy can manage. He is fantastic. Uh, that, you know what? But Wally reminds me of him. Except Wally Backman's crazy. <laughs> <He's a lunatic. laughs> I love it. We need it, Bry. Time. Time for Backman. All right. So that's my. Hey, can, can he be a quarterback? That's. <laughs> How about that? Segway. Can he throw the ball 20 yards? You just look like Job riding on a Segway there. That's right. I came zipping in with my you helmet. You came zipping in. Have you I, – I, I, we're going to talk about the Jets in a second, but you bring up – we brought up a Segway. I had this weird experience the other day. It just reminded me of it. I forget oh, – sugar, I forget where I was. But it was like uh, Teresa and I maybe like uh, – Oh man, I wish I could remember where I was. But it was a place where like I would not expect to see a Segway. Like in a supermarket? Uh, maybe a supermarket. I don't know, but it was like a cop or like a security guard on a Segway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who came screaming in. I see. Like that. I had it was like wow, was that Batman on a Segway? Like it was ridiculous. You see that in Washington DC a lot. <laughs> Well, what does that have to do with anything? That's where you see a lot of segways, cops on segways. 
Well, I was not in Washington, D.C. Bite me. <laughs> Good comeback. <laughs> no, you, you, you maybe you do. No, you see it a lot in the city. This was just this was weird because I was not expecting it. It was it was sort of like a, it was twofold. It was like this place has a security guard. <laughs> like, I wish I could remember where I was because it was we looked at each other like that was the first part was why does this place have a, is, is, it was like Chuck E. Cheese or something ridiculous. And then the segue just comes screaming in, screaming. You know, like he just he blew past us. Like who was that? It scared the crap out of me. People that need to be a little more responsible with those segues, Brian. Those things are intense. <laughs> There's a guy by our office up on Third Avenue, Cal. Oh, he's serious. Yeah. Oh, he's serious. See, you you can see him coming. He does like the slow creep up to you. Like I'll be downstairs, you know, on the sidewalk on the phone or something. It used to happen a lot when I smoked. I don't smoke anymore. But I used to go down and have a cigarette, and you'd be hanging out there having a cigarette. And here he comes, like creeping up, like slow mo style on the Segway. And then like he'd give you the look, he'd look you up and down, and then speed up off. Creepy. You know, I I don't know how many family vacations you take, but if you go to tourist trappy kind of places, um there will inevitably be a kiosk somewhere where you can let your kid ride a Segway for like ten bucks. Those nice. put the kid in elbow pads and knee pads and a helmet. And they'll give them a Segway lesson and let them let them ride through this little uh, course of traffic cones. I've last five vacations I've taken with my family. I've seen those. Have you let the children do this? No, no. Because no. my kids no. are the type of kids who will crash the Segway. They'll or... they'll find a way to tip it, and they'll tip it right into a river. <laughs> and there won't even be a river nearby. They'll have to literally go in the Segway for fourteen miles. They'll find the river. And they'll find water and they'll be in it. <laughs> a shallow pool. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, he just scared the crap out of me on the Segway. It was fantastic. We Teresa and I looked at each other like it was like the it was like the what the hell are you doing with Danny Terrio? Like the from Eddie Murphy's <laughs> like like that stopped us in our tracks. Like, what the hell are they doing with the Segway here? Is that is it crime a big problem here at the Chuck E. Cheese? Was it was it the Chuck E. Cheese? I don't think it was Chuck E. Cheese, but it was like that. It was not Charles Edward Cheese's, no. Okay. Charles Edward Cheese the Third. I don't know. Is that is that his name? That's no, that's the Giants version of it. It's classy. Oh right. 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 So yeah, you, they don't go to Chuck E. Cheese, they go to uh Sir Ch- Sir Charles Edward <laughs> Cheese's Cheese. <laughs> Sir Charles Edward Camembert the Third. Right. right. When they it's when they play ball, it's classy. That's right. It's a more sophisticated place, Cal. Right. There's chandeliers hanging all over the place. <laughs> right. They're drinking Dom Perignon. It's the kind of family fun and entertainment uh, mecca that only can happen with the Maras. Right. Because they do everything the right way. You know what? The other thing is they get it. They get it. They I love it. that, by the way. I know. That's my new favorite. Is that your new? This <laughs> is. Oh goodness! What does that mean? What, I don't know. I don't know, but your definition of what that means. So you're, you're using it in. Uh, it's being used a lot in sports talk radio and stuff like that. Everybody. You know, the thing about the Giants is they get it. You know? I'm going to tell you something. They just get it. All right. They get it. Eli Manning. 
He's a great quarterback. He's elite. He's proven to be elite. And you know what? He gets it. Right. What does he get now? He gets the adulation of every sports talk person in the world because he's a giant and he's classy. Well, no, and, and and look, I don't want this conversation. We're going to talk about the Jets and the Giants here. I don't want this to turn into a giant bashing thing. I don't. No, 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 no. We're not bashing the Giants. We're bashing the the way people treat the Giants with such reverence and hold them in this high regard when they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like the rest of us. Except once their pants are on, they win Super Bowls. Uh. That's right. I, I, I have not come here to bash the Giants. We're not going to. I have a bone to pick. I think it's legitimate. However, I've even softened on it from Tuesday, Bry. There was an article in the New York Post by Paul Schwartz, who covers the Giants, uh, is, the, is a beat guy for the Giants for the New York Post. And in this article, he basically, uh, and we're of course referring to the hazing incident that was uh, the video of uh, Prince of Mukamara being hazed by uh, Pierre Paul and the Giants uh, that was videotaped and then tweeted by Steve Weatherford. Yes, X-Jet? Well, there you go. There it is. <laughs> but uh, Steve Weatherford, who uh, took a great deal of uh, joy in uh, uh, laughing at the Jet logo, uh, lifting up the uh, green curtain to show the Giant logo when the Giants beat the Jets. He's like the Heath Bell of football. That's correct. Very, very, very angry at the Jets for letting him go. And so he tweeted this video out. It's not like it was leaked or it was uh, on TMZ or it was uh, – he sent it out. (laughs) Okay. So Paul Schwartz says, writes a huge article saying, it's not hazing. It's not bullying. Really, the only bad part about it is that it got out. And if it wasn't for the, and this is a quote, holier-than-thou chorus of people getting upset about it and being PC, it would be absolutely no big deal because... They've never, you, holier-than-thou chorus, have never stepped foot in an NFL locker room. So you, you don't mean, know what... You meaning us. That's right. You don't know what goes on. You don't know what these guys do. Okay, let me see if I can break this down. Okay. They picked up and, like, what, taped his hands together? I don't even know, if, or did they even do that? No, they just picked him up. Uh, Prince of Mukamura, who's a second-year player, by the way. Not a rookie. But this is not hazing. They they picked him up, whole gang of guys, uh, uh, carried him into uh, the locker room, threw him in a tub of ice water, and then proceeded to hurl racial epithets uh, at him about not defending himself. That's okay, too, by the way. You know, using the N-word, cursing up a blue streak. That's okay. But they were using old English language. That's right. That's right. Classy. As they did it. Okay. And you throw him in the the tub. He gets out. He's clearly upset. He's clearly upset by this. Yeah. Okay. Because he's figuring, why am I getting hazed? I'm not a rookie. And why was this necessary? 
So he's clearly upset, and they videotaped it and tweeted the video. And they're laughing and having a great time with each other and dropping F-bombs like it's their job and dropping the N-word and blah, 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 blah. And the Giants tell us, well, that's not hazing. You know, the other the other thing about this is that the deal with Prince of Mukamara last year was that he couldn't stay healthy. He was always injured, couldn't stay on the field, couldn't stay healthy. So what do they do? They drop him in a person-sized tub where if they would have dropped him like six inches either way, he would have landed on the edge of it, would have gotten hurt again. I got one, I got one better. And Terrell Thomas is out. You need cornerbacks. Okay. Let's 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 fool around with that. Now Paul Schwartz is trying to tell us that that's a prank. They're just pranking him. No, it's not, Paul. I pledged a fraternity. It's hazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just because the Giants say it's not hazing doesn't mean it's not hazing. Okay, it is. I wouldn't necessarily say it's bullying. I don't know that. I wasn't there. But I know hazing when I see it. Do you even know what hazing is? Hazing is people with seniority doing physical things to people with less seniority to put them in their place. It's hazing. Okay? Sometimes, and not to be, used, now, sometimes it's used as scare tactics. Sometimes it's used as blah, blah, blah. It's quite prevalent in fraternities. Right. To, to be fair... It's done many, all over the league. And many, many times it's often done good-naturedly. Absolutely. They, they threw Ruben Randall. They tied up his hands and his, and his feet and taped them all together and threw him in the tub of ice as well. Picture That picture emerged too. But the Giants aren't hazing. They did the exact same thing to the rookie. That was hazing. They do it to the second-year player. That's a prank, just so we're clear. Okay, so anyway, all this aside, and I'll do you one better there, Cal. JPP is out this week with back spasms. Okay? JPP was the one who was carrying this 220-pound guy to the tub. Any chance he hurt his back doing this? I, I hope not. I, I hope that that wasn't the case. Nobody made that. Nobody even made that correlation or even even suggested it. No, you no. So, and I'm not saying he did. I'm just saying you don't even ask the question. Okay, so. And the fa- and and again, so again. Th- this is our fault, Bry. This is our this, fault. This this I would be willing to bet similar things have happened like this across locker rooms throughout the league. And it's going to happen. And we get it. We get that these things happen. But don't make it out that, the, that somehow when the Giants do it, it's something different than when everybody else does it. That's it. It is what it is. And it's fine. There's nothing wrong. Well, I don't understand why, why so defensive about this. Why, why protesting so much about this when... Because everybody, the Giants don't do that, Brian. But if everybody... The Giants don't haze. It's not hazing. It's pranks. When the Giants do it, it's not hazing because they don't want to use that word. It's a prank. The rest of the league is hazing. They're classless. Maybe maybe not the Steelers. The Steelers are probably pulling pranks, too. And the Patriots. Yeah, right. That's right. The Patriots, too. They're, 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 those are pranksters. The rest of the league, they're hazing. So, But the other part of this that's driving me crazy, besides the double standard aspect, because if this was the Jets, if this was the Jets, and that was Bart Scott, Carrying a second-year player, carrying Bilal Powell, Bilal Powell, or Joe McKnight, 
you know, or well, Joe Manganiello is third year. All right, but you know, still, you know, Kyle Wilson, whatever, third year. Time. This is, but this is an off the charts. If this were the Jets moment, it it doesn't get it doesn't. I mean, when Rich Samini says it, when even Rich Samini recognizes that this, could you imagine if this was the Jets? Like the paper, the sports section, Cal would have literally combusted in your hand. They would have done one of those wraparounds where it's the front and back page, like for really, like significant <laughs> events. If it was Bart Scott who did this, there'd be call for suspension. Mm-hmm. Call for suspension. Rex is a, they 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 got they they had a full page back page for six days when they had a fight at camp. When there's fights every day at training camp, all across the world, different when the Jets do it. Right. And it's just it's very frustrating. And the other thing, Bry. You know what? The other thing that that just drives me a little wild because I wa- I was able to see the video before it got pulled down. It, you know, people lost their minds when Rex Ryan cursed during Hard Knocks. Okay, Tony Dungy came out and and had a sermon on the mount about how you can't use that language. Nobody seemed to be okay with the fact that he was on a football field or in a locker room using that language. Nobody seems to have any sort of problem with giant players using that language and dropping the N-word like it's their job. No, no, no that doesn't, that seems okay. Well, here's your, here's your devil's advocate to that. Uh, Rex Ryan is a coach. He's an authority figure. He sets an example he should know better. At, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is a player. He's so just, he doesn't know, know not to curse? But it's okay. He doesn't know better. Why it's is the, why is locker room why is locker room language okay for the player and not for a coach? Is the coach in the locker room? I mean, people, I'm, people I'm had, just, a, had a – no, your devil's advocate is genuine. That's all it is. I don't agree, I don't agree with it at all. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, standard. The people had a conniption. Oh, Rex knew he was being taped. So what? So that means he can't use the same language he would use. You know, the idea when you're on that show is to pretend the cameras aren't there. He's still going to be himself. He should watch his mouth because there's cameras on? Please. How many times have you seen those post-game locker room speeches that the coach gives in, in front of the whole team? How many times now they have the benefit of, of editing it and bleeping it out? But how come there's no problem with that? No, because again, it's uh, it's not the Jets. <laughs> this is not the Jets. Look, they made their bed, though. The Giants, yes, they did, Bry. Yes, they did. It doesn't. It does. It, it doesn't excuse the double standard, but you can understand it, and it's and it's hard to defend. Yes. It, to me, the only thing it doesn't exclude or, or excuse the poor journalism. I I couldn't agree with that more because that's that's piss poor journalism, right? You know, and and do me a favor if you want to write an article that says that it's not bullying and it's not hazing and it's no big deal, and you know, Tom Coughlin, the only thing that it bothered him was that it got out. Right. He didn't seem to care that it happened. 
to a second-year player that he needs. Okay? Don't blame it on me. Don't don't blame it on the holier-than-thou chorus. You know, I, I'm not out there hazing uh, Wesley. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I mean, don't don't blame it on that. That line just just really really annoyed me. It's my fault that I might have a problem with this. No, not my fault. But it's, 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 especially when when this particular writer, I'm sure, had something to say when Rex Ryan was cursing, cursing, oh. right? Of course. I'm sure. Look, he's been covering the the Giants since 1994. Whatever. Let's talk about what's going on on the field, okay, with these teams. Uh, The Giants uh, destroyed the Jets' uh, first-team offense last week. Uh, Jets' first-team defense didn't look too bad either, by the way. But um, uh, the big hubbub with the Jets was uh, Wayne Hunter, right? Mm -hmm. Never has a right tackle been... Wayne Hunter actually knocked Tim Tebow out of the press conference today. It was like the first time Tim Tebow's name was not brought up in a press conference to Rex today. And um, very interesting stuff out of Jet Camp today in that the uh, Boomer and Carton here in New York were at Jets Camp today in Florham. Well, not camp, but they were at Florham at practice, Florham Park. And Cal, here's where I like Carton. A, a situation like today... I like Carton because unlike Francesa, he does not back down to guys like Tannenbaum or guys like Tebow. You know, he he said to Tannenbaum, he said, I think you're wrong. I think you don't have enough weapons on offense. I think you haven't done enough. I think the fan feels like, how could you go into the season with Wayne Hunter as your starting right tackle? He says... He does not back down. I think in those situations, uh, Craig Carton's very good because he is going to be genuine. Now, is he going to put himself in it a little bit? Yes. But I'm okay with it there, Bri. Okay. I I thought that, you know, even with Tebow, I mean, Boomer didn't back down either. Now, eventually he did. Eventually he sort of uh, (laughs) succumbed to the charm of Tebow. But Carton, you know, Carton, Carton makes all sorts of comments about God and and about Tebow's, you know, faith and stuff like that. He didn't shy away from him. You know, I I, I think that's a credit to him. I got to give hey credit where credit is due. Okay, that's fair. So they uh, they then later on in the day after Tannenbaum takes all this. You know, Tannenbaum takes all this heat and Rex comes on and they talk about, we think that he, you know, uh, Wayne Hunter did this good and that good. What happens? They demote Wayne uh, Wayne Hunter to blocking tight end, which they desperately need, by the way. Right. They desperately need a blocking tight end, and he was very, very good in that role two years ago. Uh, and they promote Austin Howard to starting right tackle. So... Our our long national nightmare is over, Bri. The Wayne Hunter era at right tackle has come to an end. As well it should. I mean, let's be honest. Oh my goodness. He was he was look, the whole point of of an offensive line is that you're <laughs> not really supposed to notice them. 
<laughs> right? If you know the guy's name and you know his whole backstory, right? I think there's a problem. If your nickname is Easy Pass <laughs> as a as a tackle in the football in National Football League, you got a problem. I can't remember who it was, but somebody somebody you probably saw this. Somebody tweeted that his last job was protecting Abe Lincoln at the fourth theater. <laughs> good night, everybody. That was a good line. I, I can't I wish I could remember who tweeted it, but it was funny. Well, it's panic at the disco about this Jet offense. They haven't scored a touchdown yet in the preseason. I think they're being I love I personally love what they're doing by not showing the Wildcat slash single wing, whatever they're, whatever that Tebow package is, I love that they're not showing it in the preseason. Right. I agree It's like a big, like, F you to everybody. Like, you want to make fun of us? Okay. Okay, you'll see. You'll see. No need to see it. The, the only problem with that is that when they finally reveal it, it better be good. Better be good. Better be good. There was a great uh, – I want to give this guy uh, – these guys a, a plug, Cal, because I've been reading them a ton for two weeks. Turnonthejets.com uh, is fantastic. Joe Caparoso, I think I'm saying his name right. Um, but turnonthejets.com, definitely check that website out, Cal. They are hitting it out of the – I mean, I've been you and I have been sending the articles back and forth and stuff. Yep. It's a great blog. They are hitting everything out of the park. Literally everything out of the park. Uh, so many of the points that we have made about the Jets, um, they have made already. I, I mean, they are just really, really good writers. Uh, there's a lot of daily content on there. They post like maybe two, three articles a day. Um, and they're they're very astute. Really good stuff. Uh, turn on the Jets.com. I think we're going to have them on, Cal. I think uh, maybe in two weeks we'll have them on. Uh, but last thing on the Jets, I'm I'm just happy that they've made this change. You know, third game of the preseason is when you start showing stuff. Maybe they'll have Holmes. Maybe they'll have Curly, who you know I dislike. Oh, this is great. <laughs> My buddy sent me this today, Brian. Uh, guess who's lighting up Seahawks camp? I, I can't imagine. Can't imagine, right? Cannot imagine. Who lighting is. it up. Best receiver in camp. Makes a play every day. Hmm. And uh, he already—he's already caught a touchdown in the preseason. Right, former Jet, right? Former, former Jet. Right. Former didn't jet. have a didn't have a job coming into the off season. Did not have a job. Right. Braylon Edwards. Bray Bray. And there's no chance he gets cut now. Not not now, no. Well, how did you feel about the Labor Day is draft day, mini draft day, comment by Tannenbaum? I see. I didn't hear it. What did he say? He said this was like two days ago. He did an interview, and they're asking about Hunter and the wide receivers. Why hasn't he had a depth at running back and wide receiver? And of course, Tannenbaum went into spin mode, and we like what we have. And I'm surprised Sean Green didn't come out of that one as one of the top five backs in the league. And he really that, is tough to listen to. Uh, Tannenbaum's Tannenbaum's the worst. Yeah, Tannenbaum is very difficult to listen to, um, but. He said, uh, well, we're not done yet. It's the middle of August. And, you know, Labor Day weekend is going to be like mini draft day because of all the cuts. Yeah. Final cuts are over Labor Day weekend, and he's going to reshape the whole team. My feeling is like, um, you know, you could have done that back in March. Yeah. You know? Like, why are we 
we waiting for scraps to get some de- like you know Braylon Edwards was out there you know Cedric Benson was out there uh, you know Winston Justice was out there I mean there, there was talent was out there this yeah, is not like yeah. you know I don't know what he, he, I, I don't think anybody better than these guys are going to be cut by Labor Day you don't you don't know I mean you may be able to you know to to get some depth maybe you know maybe but the other thing is that a guy gets cut. He's open to the entire league. And now you gotta, you know, maybe there's another team that likes somebody. Right. And also, why why are we waiting? See, there, there's a guy I don't think has a plan. No. No, I, think, I don't. I think he's whatever drifts into, uh, you, you know, like uh, David St. Hubbins. You know, whatever drifts into the transient of my uh, consciousness. He just grabs onto like David St. Hubbins with Eastern philosophies. Like it's just whatever floats by, he just grabs. Uh, and oh, Tebow, yeah, dude, let's do it. Oh, uh, okay, you know, let's. Uh, you can trade Santonio Holmes because he's disgruntled. In fact, that's what he does. He picks up disgruntled players. He's good at that. Braylon Edwards gets in a fight. Hey, let's go get him. Santonio Holmes uh, smoking pot. We can get him cheap. Cromarty had another kid. Bring him in. Cromarty, Cromarty, like guys that have worn out their. Well, that's what we should do. We should look around the league for who's worn out their welcome. Well, that's where the Maurice Jones-Drew thing comes in. That's right. That's right. Because that's that was the hot topic this week. He's perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we're doing. Bring him in. Yeah, he's not. He's not going to have a, a Chris Johnson holdout season. And then bring him in, pay him, and watch Revis. Right. Watch Revis's reaction. When you bring in MJD, give him a six-year deal for like $800 million, watch Revis's react, because he's going to be pleased. Oh, yeah. The next time Revis sees Tannenbaum, he just give him like that death stare. <laughs> hey, Darrell, how you doing? Just staring at him. <laughs> okay, man. See you later. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I, did, Revis uh, came out again today. Boy, he just keeps... Well, you see what, did you see what he said today? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, he's saying what we're saying. I don't know if they've necessarily put Mark in the best position to succeed. I'm just saying. Yeah. I see Revis saying that and being like, just saying, you ask, like an old Jewish guy, like, look, you ask for my opinion, you're going to get it. <laughs> the soup is terrible. Uh, the, the, the veal is too, <laughs> the pastrami is very fatty. Okay, and Sanchez, eh, not so many tools. I think you've done something a little, that's, I'm just saying, it's not a big deal. I'll be in the corner. What <laughs> If you want me. <laughs> Shutting down receivers, that's where I'll be. But uh, since you asked, eh, not so much. But you know, that's just me. That's just that's just me. Don't go by me. What do I know? From, what, do, what do I know? What do I know from uh, from uh, quarterbacks? What do I know? I get, I get warm very easily. You know, <laughs> it, it would kill you to crank the AC up a little bit, <laughs> just a little. No. Oh, I never forget. Our, we were at our buddy Darren's wedding, and uh, it was a Jewish ceremony. It was great, and and uh, Dan and I were in the wedding. And we're waiting outside to, uh, you know, to walk in or whatever. And uh, Dan and I are the only two uh, Gentiles in the group. 
and uh, <laughs> we're standing there with our buddy Mike Riddickstein, uh, who is not a Gentile. And there's this great picture in the temple, Cal, of the, like one of the rabbis from yesteryear or whatever. It must have been like a, somebody who was – he was like a big portrait kind of thing. You know, like a, maybe an in memoriam or something like that. Right. And Riddickstein goes – the picture was just so great. It was like the guy was like – what you would stereotypically picture like an old Jewish rabbi like looking like in the picture, like shrugging his shoulders – <laughs> like and he had his hands out like eh. <laughs> and we were just cracking up like so you want to paint a picture of me okay so do it who am I to, I'm not going to stop you like it's, and uh, the pastrami is very nice like it just it was so stereotypical awesome we were cracking up it was so great <laughs> eh, what do you want from me it's a nice temple Enjoy the wedding. <laughs> I should be so lucky. Oh, it was great. We were cracking up. It was like, you know, go ahead, paint already if you're painting. If you're painting the portrait, please. Uh, anyway, I don't know how we wound up uh, with the rabbi, but uh, I think you, I think you likened Darrell Revis to a rabbi. Somehow. <laughs> I somehow. <laughs> Somehow, uh, like in Darrell Reeves. Okay, that's uh, I. I've, the, I'm excited to see this weekend, Cal, with the Jets. I am. Well, this is it. I think they're going to be okay. I'm. I'm curious. I'm. I'm. I'm concerned. I'm not panicking. Okay. I'm concerned. How do you feel about Jordan White? I don't. I don't like that he's probably going to play a bigger role than, <laughs> he, than he needs to be. Right. Yeah. He, I like him. I like him, but you know, let's ease him into this. Yeah, I think he's going to be your starting uh, two receiver in week one. I don't know. I think. Well, hey, can I feel, catch. Like, I feel like Curly's going to be healthy by then. Uh, aren't we putting Curly yeah. in the slot? Isn't that what we're doing with Curly? Uh, I thought they were going to put Hill. Oh no, Hill's going to start. Yeah, they'll put Curly in the slot. That's Hill, right. Hill may not start if he continues with the dropsies. That's true. I like Hill a lot, though, Bry. I do. He, he, there's something there. Yeah, I know. I like Hill a lot. It'll be interesting to see if they, if a tackle shakes loose, Bry, and they bring in another guy to uh, compete with Howard. Yeah, well, you know what's going to be interesting to see if Mark Sanchez gets some protection, what he can do. Right. I mean, what, was he, what was he? Nine of eleven in the Giant game or something, but for like eight yards. Right. Because he was, he has to check down. See, you had a double-edged sword in that game. If you only have, uh, uh, when when you are getting good pass pro and you have a couple seconds to throw, but your receivers are Patrick Turner and a rookie who's played about eleven snaps in the NFL, and who get no separation, you have to check down. Right. Otherwise, you're going to get killed. So it was a, it was a sort of a perfect storm there. I'd like to see a little bit more. Okay. Is it time for the fun load? Uh, yeah. Good. Because before we get to the fun load, I do want to mention this. Bry. Cal. We have a sponsor. That's Cal. Right. We we have our first sponsor. Uh, the the wheels are in motion, Babu. We we are uh, moving forward with a, a great sports bar uh, here in New York, called uh, Blue Haven. 
and uh, we're going to be doing some mutual stuff. Maybe do uh, we're going to do a live remote from there. Uh, we're going to be on their website. They're going to be on our website. Um, uh, met the folks down there, Dermot and, and Megan and Rory. And uh, we have sponsor music. <laughs> this is uh, this is Jazz Odyssey. No, uh, so we're going to be moving forward with that. They're going to be our sponsor, uh, or one of our sponsors, and so welcome aboard Blue Haven, and that's www.bluehavennyc.com. Check them out. Uh, it's a great sports bar, Brian. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm, I am, I'm super excited. You know, this is going to be great. It's like I, I walked in there, and I was like, uh, I said to them, I said, you realize I spent like most of my 20s and early 30s in bar just like this one. Right. Like a sports bar, cool place to hang out. A sports bar for grown-ups, as it were. What is this music, PJ? Holy cow, you're going to get fired before we have a sponsor. This is Jazz Odyssey. (laughs) Why are you playing Jazz Odyssey when I'm saying sponsor for the first time? Well, because I didn't have any cool blues music. We couldn't do it like Imus. You know, play Booker (laughs) T and the MGs. All that music there, you choose Jazz Odyssey. For my first mention of the sponsor. Well, there goes your rider, my friend. You know what's great, though? What you, I, think, what I think it was appropriate. Shows that we're all having a good time. <laughs> what, Cal? We're having a good time. No, what were you going to say? <laughs> no, what we uh, what is great is that, like you say, when we talk about how we just we want to make it like we're getting together at a bar talking about sports just you, know, you that's the bar that you are describing essentially yes. yes there's a there's a little bit about the show on uh, blog talk radio where we talk about just wanting it to be uh, a a conversation between some guys uh at a bar hanging out talking about sports this is the bar where it's happening this is this is this is where our, this show would go on. That's why it's gonna be it's gonna be really great. And uh, the food is good there. They have like eighteen beers on tap, which I love so much. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. So, bluehavennyc.com dot uh, com and check them out. They have daily specials. They have all the games on Sunday ticket. It's gonna be awesome, awesome pants. Okay, so. Uh, it's just about time for the fun load. We're almost out of time on the show. I hope he has a fun load. He had another rough day, Brian, with well, the with the orthodonture. It's like this is like part two because we were talking about this last week. They had to go back and do it again. Eesh. Yes. Oh, we have a call. You better take it. And you know you who do. it is. You do have a call. Oh, Cal, we got to take this call. I'm gonna play more Jazz Odyssey while you take the call. Will you not play? Will you stop with the Jazz Odyssey? This is by PJ. He wrote this. He loves this song. We already. <laughs> these, are, these are actually some good chords. They're just not playing them in the right order. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, we have no intro music for this guy. Cal, you're gonna be very excited. I'm already excited. I don't even know who it is. He's calling to talk about. I'll give you a couple hints. All right. Calling to talk about the Jets' offense. Okay. He has called the show before, but not in like two years. Wow. Yep. Direct from Pennsylvania. That's what I thought. Your favorite old right fielder. 
the rat. Rick. Calling to talk about the Hi, Rick. Gentlemen, good evening. There he is. What's Welcome up? back. <laughs> oh, my. This is, oh, my. What is going well, on? I got, I got five minutes until you're off air, so uh, no, I just we're got going, in from... Uh, we're going overtime, Rick. We're, we're going to put it up on the web. We're going. It's like uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. We're going to put it up on the, or like The Daily Show. We're going to put it up on the web. I, uh, uh, yeah, dude, I just rolled in from uh, the Blue Haven Bar. The place is awesome, by the way. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> good, good promo. Uh, uh, the place, actually, uh, honestly, Rick, the place is awesome. Like, like if you, if you, when you come up to New York and we go to watch a game or whatever, we'll go there. The place is absolutely. fantastic. It's like it's absolutely. like uh, you're, you're not gonna have like 22 year old kids like puking in the corner or whatever like you know playing <laughs> playing beer pong it's like a place for us i hear you, know? you i hear you uh so what do you got what do you what do you think about this uh this offense rick talk to me what do you got here's my concern uh is the offensive line uh i yeah. think there's i mean here's a scoop right so sanchez tebow both you know average quarterbacks sanchez right two afc championships give him credit but, but they're both average quarterbacks right now. And yeah. they're not going to be any better if that offensive line can't give them time. I mean, that's a bottom line. So, and the offensive line cannot open holes for a running game. So I'm not saying anything everybody else doesn't know, but they're going to struggle on offense this year. So, And I don't know necessarily that there's a fix. And unless it's Calvin Johnson, our wide receiver, not San Antonio Holmes, that ain't going to fix the passing game. Well, not for nothing. It, it could be Calvin Johnson, wide receiver. If that offensive line doesn't protect the quarterback, it's not going to even matter. Yeah, well, with Calvin Johnson, you can throw the ball up in the air and just let him go get it. Yeah. That's not San Antonio Holmes' game. No. Holmes' game is cutting and getting open, giving the quarterback time to hit him when he's open. Johnson's ridiculous. You just throw the ball up and let him go get it. That's- Yes, you don't need no, a lot of time. It, it, it's true. You 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 bring up uh, the baseline point here, Rick, and that's why it's it's very very true. The idea is that the team is supposed to be built on on uh, ground and pound, which, by the way, ground and pound is getting completely misinterpreted. It doesn't mean that you run the ball seventy five times in a game. It just means that you want to control the clock. And if you do get out to a lead, you have to have a team that's going to be able to run the ball successfully, play keep away because you have a great defense, okay? I'm not convinced that they're going to run the ball True. 75% of the time. But Plus you need two running backs for that. That's right. Right, which they don't. But, right, but they're built – but they're built – try to build the team this way. And what you should do is build to your strengths. We said this last week with Brian Bassett. You know, if you're the, the Patriots – uh, the, the 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 offense is centered on the tight end, Rick. How many tight ends do they have in camp? Nineteen. You know, you're the Packers. Your 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 offense is based on wide receiver play and, and and Aaron Rodgers. You have ten receivers in camp. You build depth to your strength. And they haven't done that on either the offensive line or the running back. You're right. And they talk a running game, but you're absolutely right. It's not like they had ten running backs in camp. No, I mean, you don't give Cedric Benson a look. You know, you. Right. you there were guys. You don't give Ryan Grant a look. Bring in a veteran. What's the option? What's the What's the option if Sean Green gets hurt? Seriously, what, who, who do they go with? No, that's what I mean. They don't have two running backs, and if they're going to run the ball all the time, seventy yards at a time, which Steve, I agree. I mean, that's ridiculous. 
But let's yeah, even say they try going. to do that. Right. You can't run one running back all the time like that. You've got mm-hmm. to have, and McKnight's not it. And what do you got, no. Sewell or Powell, whatever the heck that guy's name is? It's ridiculous. You're right. Give Benson Grant, bring in a veteran, and let him run the carry the ball 12 times a game. Yeah, I, that's why I got I mean, like, they had, that's why they had Thompson for that role. And I think that, uh, and we're about to lose the live feed, so everybody on the live feed, we will see you all next week. Check out www.rtu.com or rtusports.com. I know my own website. And uh, also check us out uh, on the podcast and go to Blue Haven. Now, <laughs> Wow, I can't believe I'm closing the show with you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're, you're staying on. You're staying in the chair. Um, all right. No, but, they, they, no, but they, they um, you know, a guy like Ryan Grant to me was like, would have been like a perfect fit because – he doesn't demand the carries that a Cedric Benson does. You don't have to split carries with him. But he's a guy who can take 10, 10, 12 carries off your hand. And they love Powell, Rick. They love the little Powell. I know. I know. And I don't get it. I don't know. I don't I know. see it. I mean, well, let's see. Who knows? Maybe he kills it this season. But first time he fumbles three times, it's going to be like, all right, buddy, you're done. Right. And also, you know, Tannenbaum was saying today that, you know, Powell was a slow starter at Louisville. He'll be, you know, he's a slow starter maybe in the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I I don't know. Maybe they, again, they're at practice every day. I'm not. But you just, if that's going to be your strength, throw numbers at it. Exactly. And you know what? Make them compete with McKnight for the job. And then cut one of them loose. Don't have both of them. They're both not, neither one of them is a definitive second running back. So, why carry two of them? Bring in a veteran, and you know what? Figure it out and have the Kuyans to cut one of them. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Now, Kuyans, you got very, very like, uh, scarfacey there. That was good. Um, I will ask you this on a positive note. Let's try to be positive for a second, Rick. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like... And Cal and I have talked about this, and Brian somewhat agrees with me, I think, but he can comment on this himself. I think this defense has a chance to be exceptional. I do, too. I think they have a chance to be top five, if maybe top three defense in the league. I I really do. They're good. They're good. They've got to be able to cover that tight end out of the backfield, though. And I don't know that they've necessarily – not out of the backfield, excuse me, but just over the middle. I don't know if they've figured that out yet. Their safeties hit hard, which they proved in the preseason games. What's it? Landry crushed that guy. Yeah. So don't go over the middle on them. I mean, you might catch the ball, but you're going to take a licking, which is yeah. good. But yeah. can they cover it? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's no, still I didn't that's tell them, right? Brian, I mean, seen. yeah. That's... Last year, that was that was their weak spot, and and those games against the Patriots, it was like you know just throw the ball to the tight end up the middle twenty times. Right. And nobody could. There was nobody. Forget about stopping them. There was nobody to cover them. Yeah. Well, wide open. But it's like, it's like Bill Belichick knows the Jets though. He knew that weakness and he went out and, but got, it wasn't and, just he, and he had two great tight ends which he could play in both at, at the same time. And just right. and it was like the Jets were like, "You kidding me? We're lucky if we cover one." <laughs> no, but you. I mean, you you could have had. Uh, you know, it didn't matter the tight end last year with them. I mean, it, it did. You know, yeah, you had true. Randy. You had Randy McMichael off the uh, unemployment line catch two touchdowns against them in the San Diego game. I think that. But on a positive note, they. I think they'll be good this year, though, Steve. I agree with you there. I think that defense has a chance to carry them. There was a great article, Rick. You got to check out this website, turnonthejets.com. 
these guys are killing it with the analysis every day. It's a really good quick daily read. And the guy mm-hmm. the guy wrote uh today killed it about how the Jets defense it, like before it was talked about in the media. Like they did this like three days ago about how the Jets defense can carry them early on to some mm-hmm. victories while the offense gathers itself and while the offense figures itself out and it's going to have to. It's going to have to mm-hmm. carry them in those first four or five games because they do have a very tough schedule to start. And uh, but then he went through the matchups and stuff, and they match up well against the Bills, and they match up, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. I think that defense has a chance to carry them early on. What do you think? They do. They do. I think they. I think they have to keep teams under fifteen points a game, which is very difficult. Yes, that's my opinion, and I don't know if they can do that four right. out of the five games. You know what I mean, Rick? Have you seen uh, Have you seen Copels? Uh, I mean, I've seen him in preseason a bit. Yeah, in, pre- sure. in preseason. Yeah. What's your What's your opinion of him? Because I think he he looks like he might be a player. I think you're right, Cal. Absolutely. You know? I mean, I do think he's, but he's still a rookie, right? He's so. a rookie, but you're not hearing you're not really hearing too much about him. And just the two games that I've watched, I've been impressed with mm-hmm. what I've seen. I, I have too, but as a Jet fan. We don't talk about that. It'll just change. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the first rule of Copels is you don't talk about Copels. Just right. Just let them fly under the radar and have some ridiculous season. <laughs> no, Cal. I think I, I. Here's what I like, Bri. Here's what I like, guys. What I like is the combination of Copels and Wilkerson, because I think Wilkerson takes a nice leap this year too. And yeah. I think they're. I think they're finally going to be able to get to the quarterback without having to ridiculously scheme for it. I really do. Right. I think you're going to be able to get there with five guys. And if you can no, get there I agree. With, with five guys, that makes a huge difference for that defense, a huge difference. It does. And Cal's got a point. Yeah. Copels, Copels does look good. And if he can get to the quarterback or help someone else get to the quarterback, and they can get to it, you're right, Steve, with five guys, then it's a completely different game. They don't have to bring seven or eight smash the quarterback. That's right. And yeah. and when they do bring the seven or eight, it's a surprise. You know, then right. then, then, then the thing is they don't can, double on the outside. They can put them in the middle. Right. Because you know you can go single coverage on the outside. So you can really stack that middle and take away the tight end. Or right. even and, put a D back on the tight end. Yep. And you're trying to get that you're trying to free up you know, you can put Copels in the middle, you can put Wilkerson in the middle, you know, to try to occupy two blockers each guy. Then all of a sudden you have Maben running free from the outside. That's where you you know you can do a lot of things if those guys can even not put pressure but move the pile and occupy blockers. That's where you start to change things. And I think I think you know I I think they could do that. I, I'm just I'm excited as 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 down on the as on the offense as I am. I'm that much I'm that excited about the defense. Right. Well, hey, listen, it's still football, right? I mean, Amen. it's not giddy that football season's coming up. That being said, I will and with one last thing, the Jets, dude. I think he needs to have a ridiculous year, and I think last year he was close to getting there. Like he can get to the quarterback. He's off. Yep. He's not great on the run. We know that, but he can. He if he wants to, he can get to the quarterback. And I think he enjoyed playing for Rex Ryan last year. I really did. Yep. I think he. Think he uh, Respected the fact that he gave him a shot, and I think he played his heart out. And I think he does that again this year. I think that is one guy that could register 
nine, ten, eleven sacks this year. I really do. I totally agree. Yep. He's a he's a huge key with a full camp under his belt, and now Rex knows how to use him a little bit. And uh, and you know he gained weight. He put on a lot of weight. He's got. A, did you read he about? He was a high uh, draft pick, wasn't he? You guys would know better first, than I would. First, first round, first round, Buffalo. Yeah, huge. Yep. First round. I think he was like eleven overall. He was a huge draft pick. I mean, they were they were so talking about talent. him as like a. They were talking about him as like a Vernon Golston bust up in Bu- in Buffalo. Oh yeah, like, well, he like still that is. <laughs> right. well, up in not, Buffalo, he was. Yeah, not for us. I mean, yeah, and he, I mean, he it's not like he was. Yeah, I mean, but he's not a first-round pick yet. I mean, he pulls out double-digit sacks and makes a statement in the league this year. Yep. Okay, now you're, you know, now you're living up to a number one, you know, a first-round, excuse me, number one, a first-round top 15 pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Rand, I think you bring up a good point, Rick. He's motivated because the Jets gave him a second chance after Buffalo cut him. You know? And he's looking to to reward them for that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, they any got, human being, right? They yeah. got. They got uh, it would be nice if he if he did pan out and you know being the Vernon Golston esque bust that he wasn't uh, because <laughs> you know <laughs> Vernon Golston is now a classification <laughs> of bust. So it but would be nice to so make many, up. For Vernon Golston. What do you think, Vernon Golston? Is that in the same level as Blair Thomas? <laughs> Gotta be. Yeah. Uh I, I, you know, I had, to, and and you know what, they were both, they weren't both, both of them were not bad picks. I mean, Blair Thomas wasn't a bad pick. Blair Thomas was ridiculous in college, ridiculous. He ran for like two thousand yards his senior year. You know that that Brownie Nagel. the Brownie Nagel out of, out of that powerhouse Louisville. Uh, <laughs> all right, Rick, we're gonna run because we're gonna do uh, the fun load and get uh, out of here. But... I actually kind of end with one last question, to you guys, and it's real quick. Fantasy yes. question. I have the number one pick. Who would you pick? There is keepers, so whoever you pick may be taken, but regardless of that, who would you pick as number one? I'll tell you who's going number one in our league with keepers is um, because you can't keep anybody who was taken in the first three rounds the year before. Mm-hmm. So they all, they all go back in the pool. That's our keeper rule. Um, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to go number one in our league. Wow. I can't take him because I had him two years in a row. Is that a rule, or is that, or is that you? Yeah. Just... So you get to keep you get to keep it for one year, and then I got that's you. it. You got to give him okay. up. So I was going to say, like, is you just need to move on in your organization, or is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, we tried to sign for contracts, Steve. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, a Rogers or Breeze may go now. Now the guy who has the number one Breeze is league, available. Yeah, the guy who has the number one in our league has a good keeper running back and a good keeper receiver, so he's looking for the quarterback. Right. I think it's got. I think it's got to be Breeze, Rogers, or Foster. I think those are your three guys. I like. Rogers. I have Breeze and Foster's available to me. Yeah. Who do you like, Tim? I like Ray Rice. I don't know if he's available to you, but no, he's not. He's taking emotionally or. No, nah, he's a keeper for somebody. <laughs> so basically, five, maybe I'll make the question easy. Foster or Breeze? Steve? Foster. Oh, sorry. Are you four, <laughs> are you four points uh, for a touchdown for a quarterback? Uh, no, points, same point. Six points for a touchdown. Six so for a regardless touchdown? Regardless of who scores it. I'm yep. taking Breeze. You're taking Breeze? Yep. I right. can't really so answer a big back. Help. I can't, yeah. I can't. I can't rely on the running back. I can't. Cal's going faster. 
I'm still going Foster. I, I was thinking of going Foster as well, Scal. <laughs> yeah, well, then maybe go Breeze. That's right. No, <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, Rick, awesome to hear from you, buddy. Please keep in touch. The best to the girls and everything. Hope everything's great. It was great to see you a couple weeks ago. And, uh, yes. you know, thanks for listening, man. Keep in touch. No, man. I'm glad I caught you at the end. I'll try to uh, I'll try to call in earlier a little next time. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Good luck with your draft. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Let it. Later. Ah, oh, Rick. That's a good buddy of ours from way back. But this is Cal. This is uh, residual from the reunion. That's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, Peach, we we got a couple minutes here. Do you have a fun load, or do you want to just tell us about Lily's teeth? My fun load is Lily's teeth. <laughs> and away we go. Because well, just because I know what it does to Cal. Cal, I'm very sorry, but I have to tell you this. You're gonna do this again, aren't you? I am. Uh, now let, let let's review. My daughter was a thumb sucker. Uh, Previously her, on RTU. Right. The teeth in the back of her mouth came down too far, so they put these screws in her jaw and these other screws up into her soft palate to to make this sort of like uh, upside down suspension pr- bridge system to pull her teeth back up, and that's orthodonture, and you pay a lot for it. And that's why I have not great cars, because <laughs> yeah. of that. So that was right. all handled, and we all said, oh, Lily, you're such a good sport, because that's behind us now. We had that procedure done. But we went back today for a little checkup, and they found out that they're not really working. As a matter of fact, where the, the soft tissue where, where they put these screws is actually... It's growing over the screws. Ugh. So Cal, is, Cal is actually out of his skin. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I this is, like it. But, My I mean, shoulders are so tense right now. <laughs> yes. Well, they're doing this to a 10-year-old girl. This turns <laughs> my stomach. Yes. So they're going to have to remove the screws next week and find a new place to drill. And uh, it's good, good, the whole thing is going to happen all over again. Oh. Now, now, Pete, should you tell Calvi my uh, two-part anger at this? Well, I, I would like you to express your anger. I, I, it's, the first thing Steve asked me is, you're not paying for this, right? <laughs> Which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah. If only it were like that. I, no, we, immediately... I, I, explained, I explained to him that orthodontia works as mini mortgages, and they call them <laughs> phases. They tell, you, I, they tell you right up front, phase one is going to be ten grand, buddy, and this is how you're going to pay for it. What a racket. Can you imagine and, this racket, Brian? Can you imagine? I, I Yes. I, I don't – and you have no choice. They tell you you're a terrible person if you don't have these things done. Terrible. Your your child will grow up to be some sort of hideous monster. Mm-hmm. Well, they you, told you me – they I told mean, my mother. Racket. Who are these I had, people? I had big spaces in my teeth, as you well know. I'm an anti-dentite. They told my mother that uh, I could get braces or probably I could just wait for my wisdom teeth to come in and they would push the teeth together, together and, I'd, right. and I'd have a pretty straight smile. But guess what happened? We we waited and my wisdom teeth have disappeared. You can't find them on an x-ray and they're probably somewhere back in my brain. <laughs> I mean, they went the complete wrong way. Oh, I don't understand. So, Cal, my my point was, look, if you if your muffler falls out and you got to go get a new muffler, right? You drive there, you get the muffler, they put it in, 
you pay for it, right? Even if you pay for it in installments, okay? But you're paying for the labor. It was $600 with labor and everything included, right? Now I got it. Now I, I'm driving home and the muffler falls out. I'm well, turning. On the, on the way home from the shop? That's correct. Because they have not done it correctly. Their mistake, not mine. I turn around, I drive back. I'm not paying for the labor again. I'll pay for the muffler. So you're of the belief that I should go back to the orthodontist and say, fine, do this again to my daughter, but you're knocking 30% off my bill? That's it. You screwed up. You did it wrong the first time. You're knocking 30% off the mortgage? What, what, where, where is this not the case, other than dentists? It's, it, this they, is, this they, is they medical put it in, billing, they messed it up. In general. They're doing it again. I'm not paying the labor. If you go to an allergist, she <laughs> charges you to diagnose you. Then she charges you for the shots. And if the shots don't work, she charges you to come back and get more shots. We're not talking about shots, though. We're different shots. We're not talking about chemistry. We're talking about screws being put in incorrectly. Into the soft palate. And if they yeah. went up too far, they were going to penetrate the sinus, Cal. Yeah. Jeez. So, this is what I'm saying. What are you doing? We're not talking about a shot that didn't work. Yeah. We're talking about not putting the muffler in the right way. And see, and I that's... appreciate this because because I like... I like that I have you as this advocate. This is nice. This I, I told you, this warms me. I'm telling you, there's a campaign that, coming. That that there's there's a friend out there for my little girl. Well, I don't even want to talk about their, what they're doing to my you know my buddy there because. Are you Arnold Diaz? <laughs> Are you going to do an expose you. on this orthodontist? I may. Shame I may need to. I may need right. to expose. <laughs> RTU expose. <laughs> RTU well, on I, your side. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, though, he is a competent doctor. I'm not. I'm not going to say that he that he that he botched it, but it just did. It didn't work, and so she's got to go through it again. I, it, I, it, it's just horrifying, unacceptable. It, you know, it's if your kids start going through this sort of thing, you you, you really do feel bad kind of pushing your kid through those doors. Like, okay, go. Go get this done to yourself. Go. Because you have to sit in the waiting room. Right. And, oh. uh, you know, I don't I don't know if you ever brought your kids to get tubes in their ears or any of the other, you know, fun kid stuff, tonsillectomies or anything like that. But you just feel terrible that, that you bring them to this point, this really frightening point. And then you go, okay, go. Be brave. And you sit in the waiting right. room feeling like feeling like crap. Like you actually drove them there. Yeah. <laughs> you physically put them in the car to take them to this. And can I tell you what a good sport she is? Just I know I know we don't talk about our kids, but since we're talking about our kids, it's, after it's, all this okay. stuff, I ask her, "Well, is there anything you want? Like you know, you know, when you were a good boy at the doctor, sometimes you got something." Yeah. I said, "Is there anything you want? You know what she wanted." An iced coffee. <laughs> That's all she wants. Uh, she, she is totally your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could use th- a shot of caffeine, Dad. Right. <laughs> I figured. I figured for sure you'd be at the pony store this morning. Yeah. Right. I figured you'd be like, uh, I'm gonna need two. Uh, you guys run any sort of special here? 
I'm mm-hmm. gonna need I'm gonna need two of the ponies, and uh, we'll take a rainbow, and uh, I'm gonna need three princess outfits, and uh... and listen, I don't have a lot to pay for these ponies, so if you can work a deal with me, <laughs> that's right. What do you have in a magic carpet? Can I take a look at that? Uh, oh man, that's rough. So pricey right now. If you know, the they started when she was seven years old. I don't know how old your daughters are, Cal, but my daughters are six and nine. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Right in the wheelhouse. <laughs> We're coming into that magical time. Every time we okay. go to the dentist, I cringe like, oh, is this the time? Is well, this when we have to talk? My advice to you would be get your hard goods now. Buy stuff that are your hobbies now. <laughs> you think you need a car? Get it now. <laughs> right. you, want, you, want, you want a MacBook Air? Get it now. <laughs> Because uh, that's the end of it. Because right. after that, it's spoken for for seven years. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, and then when the braces come off, they go to college. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. Which by the time like Wesley goes to college, it'll probably only cost like $275,000 a semester. So it'll be good. Right. <laughs> oh, that's that. There's a reason I'm tying his right arm behind his back and making him throw lefty. Oh and it's not just because I'm a mean person. <laughs> well, I can I, I, I can officially say this. Uh, there's no sex in the champagne room, and there's no fun in the fun load tonight. No. <laughs> there's nothing fun about the fun room. <laughs> Steve San Pietro, RT. RT. <laughs> That's it. I Jeremy Shaft it. <laughs> Steve San Pietro, RTU Spore. What's the uh what's the great line from uh Doctor Strangelove, right? Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. There's no fighting in the war room. That's right. Uh I think that's right. Is that the line? That George right. C. Scott George C. Scott? There's no fighting in the uh, war room. Yes. Uh PJ final unload. Yes, a quote. There comes a point in every man's life when he has to say, enough is enough. The toll this has taken on my family and my work for our foundation and on me leads me to where I am today. Finished with this nonsense. Lance Armstrong, you broke my heart. Wow. Did he leave the Livestrong Foundation? He dropped all of his appeals against the Anti-Doping Association. He's going to be stripped of all of his Tour de France medals and his Olympic medals. Holy cow. He's not fighting it anymore. Oh, man. Boy, there is no fun. He's not copping to it. He's just claiming exhaustion. He can't put up with it anymore, he said. Wow. Uh, He might as well cop to it. Yeah, he broke my my heart trade-off style. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, hey, all I got is Terry Collins. Hang in there. Better days are ahead, whether they're in the manager's chair or kicked upstairs with the Casio watch. It'll be okay. (laughs) That's all I got. And for my final unload, uh, pretty excited that we... I'm going to end on an up note. Pretty excited that we have a sponsor. Uh, and and uh, Cal and I have been doing this show for over two and a half years, and PJ now has been doing it with us for about a year. And uh, I 
I love doing the show with you guys, and and uh, I'm really happy that uh, we're, we're going to have a sponsor and going to continue on. So um, uh, thanks to Blue Haven, and uh, looking forward to a wonderful partnership. And so I say, tap into America. Okay, that's all the time we have because we've used a ton of it. That's that's all the time we have. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> I'm shocked that you're trying to bar me. <laughs>